Yes, hello everybody and welcome once again to the Brink episode 24 of the most Brinkaliciously awesome podcast on the entire net of the inter and it's a huge pleasure to be back with you once again. My name is Ben, I don't know if I ever introduced myself enough on this show, I just assume that uh, three people who do listen to this program might actually be aware of my name. But uh, we have another big show today, guests galore, memories galore and so much so you can poke a brink and stick at them before we get into our first bit because I made a promise on last week's show and I'm going to keep that promise in just a few moments. I just want to send a special shout out to our Italian listeners. Uh, We always seem to talk up our American listeners in various parts of the States, but uh, looking at our listenership stats throughout the week, uh, we've got some listeners over in Italy, particularly in a place called Monty. And um, now I've, I've tried to Google Monty to basically find out whereabouts this is but uh, according to google it doesn't actually exist there's mountains and regions and all this sort of stuff in italy called monte but it's not actually a a city or a town so um if you are listening to us from uh the monte area of um of italy uh, again feel free to shoot us an email say hello and just let us know uh what brings you to listening to this random Australian podcast? Maybe we're just so big in Italy that they just like to play it down a little bit. So one sneaks through every now and then, and then uh, before you know it, the statistics have to show through. So um, uh, I think it's bonjourno is the correct terminology for hello in Italy. Uh, you think I would have prepared for this and maybe I uh, looked it up beforehand, but um, that's about it. Uh, I will say I'm a huge fan of Ferrari, and I also really like pizza. So uh, thank you, Italy, for... Um, for tuning in to the brink, it's it's a pleasure to have you on board. I made a promise on the show last week that we would bring the following segment back, and I like to keep my promises. So, without further ado, the first time we've heard this theme in a very long time. Wow, this is news! Yes, the segment where we go over silly news and bring it to you because you love to hear it. And uh, sort of a, a rehashed version of our old segment, Fail or No Fail on the Brink, but uh, this time it's just me talking and I don't generally say Fail or No Fail at the end of it. But we're, we're bringing you five stories here this week from uh, mirror.co.uk. So there's a bit of an English vibe, of course, as always, to a lot of these stories. And uh, we're starting off with a man who has uh, kept a whole collection of of chocolate bars, including ones that have Spice Girls and Westlife on them from the 1990s. Now, to really make this sound super English, and maybe a lot of people might not get these references, this article starts off by saying, we can no longer tuck into Cadbury Dreams, Aztecs, or Orange Drifters should a craving hit us while we're watching Coronation Street. That is a very English way to start the sentence. But a man in Wales has been stashing limited edition chocolate bars for decades, including, as I mentioned, some with Westlife and Spice Girls on the wrappers. Why they would put them on chocolate bars, I have no idea. Lester Hughes from Philhalle has bags and boxes full of the stuff and has even been offered £40 for his special Star Wars-themed bars. Some even went out of date in the early 1990s, and he stopped collecting them more than 15 years ago when he had a freezer disaster, but he still has a cellar full of them. The 47-year-old father of two told the Daily Post, I can't remember exactly why I started collecting. I think I saw a limited edition on a bar and thought, why not buy it and save it? Uh, which is, uh, I guess, a very interesting way. There's actually pictures here of Westlife and Spice Girls bar. Uh, he then adds, It then became a bit of an obsession, and I actively went looking for limited edition chocolate bars to buy. I decided to put them in my freezer, but then it got to the point where I had more chocolate in my freezer than actual food. 
Uh, that's crazy. It was like this for a few years until my freezer broke, so I put them in bags and boxes and took them down to the cellar. I've not checked on them, but some go back 20 to 25 years. I have no plans to start collecting them again. I'm not sure I have the space in the freezer to keep them anymore or willpower to eat them now. Well, I kind of think that'd be a bit off by now. Um, there's some here with Star Wars Episode 1 on it. Jar Jar Binks on a chocolate bar? Sure, why not? Um... Well, hey, look, you know, we all got to collect something every now and then. So just, again, don't eat them. That's kind of scary what would happen. Uh, All right, moving on. A beach that washed away 33 years ago has suddenly reappeared. A freak tide dumped hundreds of thousands of tonnes of sand back onto the shores of the Irish village of Dugar on the Achill Island, recreating a stunning 300-metre-long beach. The beach vanished during the spring storms of 1984 after waves washed away all the sand, leaving behind nothing but rock pools. With their beautiful beach washed away, many nearby hotels, guest houses and cafes were forced to shut down. But now, miraculously, the beach has returned after tons of sand was dumped on the beach over 10 days in April. Locals are hoping it sticks around long enough for the beach to be given a blue flag status during the year's next inspection. Uh, so this is interesting. Just looking here, yeah, you can see there's a whole bunch of rocks in one photo. Just kind of looks like, yeah, you wouldn't really want to go swimming there. And now all of a sudden, there's a heap of sand on there. Um, it's kind of freaky to think that that can kind of get washed away and come back like that. So... Um, you got to hope that yeah, it sticks around, and they might bring back their beach tourism to this little town in Ireland. I didn't, I didn't realize that was a thing. Irish beach tourism. So, um, there you go. Um, hello to our Irish listeners out there. Hope you're having a fantastic day. Um, all right, let's move on to a woman on a car. That sounds like a, an anonymous start. It's a I can't even pronounce words yet, Ben. Uh, a woman has clung to the windscreen of her husband's car as he drove off with another woman. The bizarre incident was captured on film as the car drove through busy traffic and the woman screamed at her man from outside the windscreen. Uh, I'm trying to work out where this actually is. It doesn't say where it is. Um, however, that did not stop him. The man drove... Uh, it's in South Africa. There we go. That, that works, Ben. The man drove off with the woman in the passenger seat and his wife on the windscreen clinging on for dear life, the Daily Sun reports. The incident occurred at Tasmar Road in Mamalady in Pretoria in South Africa. Nora Piche posted footage of the incident on Facebook. This woman found her man with a side chick, she wrote. She somehow jumped on the car and the idiot protecting his side chick so badly drove with her on his bonnet. And there's footage of this woman on sort of like a white, I think it's a Volkswagen, um, (laughs) driving. Wow. Okay. I guess that's sort of news. But anyway, this is meant to be the silly news section. All right. Let's move on to something a little bit disgusting and something that you probably would uh, be happy that you are listening to this on audio and not watching this. Because I'm telling you now, this footage that I'm looking at right now is nasty. Footage has emerged of a live eel being pulled from a patient's body. The video shows doctors extracting the animal from the patient's stomach during an operation. The eel still appears to be alive, wriggling as it's extracted. The clip appears to have been shot in China and may not be the first footage to emerge from a recent case reported around the world involving a man with constipation. Wow, that's really going to make you feel um, a bit terrified next time you can't do a poo. Uh, The Chinese man, 49, was said to have almost died using a folk remedy to treat his constipation by inserting the eel. Oh, wow, I wasn't expecting it to go this direction. Into his bum. But the plan turned ugly when the man suffered stomach pain and was forced to ask doctors to help remove the slithery eel, appearing to measure about half a metre. This isn't so tiny eel, people. This is a half a metre eel put up his butt and sucked into his stomach. The man had claimed the eel swam up inside him by himself, but later confessed he put it there. The man has also suffered a punctured pancreas in the drum. Okay. Wow. Um, 
I don't even know where to begin with this. First of all, a half a metre eel in this guy's stomach. That is beyond insane. This footage was freaking me out before I even read the details. The fact that he's gone into the hospital and be like, uh, yeah, guys, uh, yeah, I'm really in pain. Um, I, An eel accidentally climbed up my ass. Um, I mean, that... Look, it doesn't even work as an excuse when you say you've stuck a G.I. Joe up there. A live eel? Come on, people. Like, really? I love how it says here, but later confessed he put it there. Where does that confession come from? Like, oh, oh, by the way, guys, lol, kidding. I actually got bored and shoved an eel up my butt. <laughs> Look, I'm not here to laugh at ancient Chinese uh, customs and traditions. I'm sure it serves a purpose. But I want to know the purpose of putting an eel up your ass to essentially cure constipation. I mean, like, does it clear the bowels and, like, how, China, how? Uh, that is, that is freaky. Um, that is, yeah, that is just not good. Uh, <laughs> I just, I don't want to see this footage. Actually, no, I really don't want to see this footage. Look at this guy getting an eel shoved up his ass. And what does he think is going to happen? It's half a metre long. At what point does he turn around and think, oh, well, surely at some point it will die inside of me and I'll just poop it out later? That is that is beyond ridiculous. Human beings are stupid people. We are stupid creatures. This is, you know, you don't see dogs shoving eels up their butt. They just sniff other people's butt. We, we, we think that butt sniffing in dogs is, is, you know, wrong or sick. It's it's pretty tame compared to shoving eels up your ass. My God. Um, I've got to calm down. Maybe we do need foul, no foul. Uh, from one bizarre video to another, uh, basically, as I said, sometimes you might be glad that you're not seeing what I'm seeing, but this one's kind of cute. Um, I'm seeing a, a, a field filled with, uh, with Pikachus at the moment, which, um, you know, is always a positive thing. Um, now, a, few, a Pikachu performer was removed from a state in a Secret Service-style tackle at the World Pokemon Festival. Now, the dancer is joined by 14 others in the same Pikachu outfit. Just just right now, imagine 14 giant Pikachus dancing on a field. And that's what, you're, that's what I'm seeing right now. Bopping along nicely to the tune of You Can't Stop the Beat from the musical Hairspray, things seem to be running smoothly. But just seconds into the clip, the performance takes a very serious turn when the performance outfit begins to deflate. Yes, I am seeing a deflated Pikachu right now. Men dressed in secret-style suits run onto the stage and tackle him to the back of the group. The odd scene was captured by an audience member at the World Pokemon Festival held in Songdo, South Korea. Every year, thousands of Pokemon fans gather to celebrate their love of the cartoon. Pokemon has experienced a, su- a huge surge in popularity since the release of Pokemon Go across the world. Uh, and yeah, this is just telling you about what it is. Now, um... Really, this doesn't give me any more details except for the fact that Pokemon Go is having an update soon. Yeah, so basically this footage involves dancing Pikachus before one is is promptly tackled by a, a man in a suit. Now, I'm going <laughs> to... There's literally... The, the Pikachu is right at the front that's deflating. Now, he's looking very sad. All of a sudden, like, all these Pikachus are dancing and then out of nowhere, these two guys in suits literally shove... Now, three guys, four guys in suits... And five guys, six, seven, there's seven, eight guys have come out of nowhere and have dragged this Pikachu out the back like as if to say, and he looks so sad because this Pikachu is so deflated. Wow, that is that is definitely uh, erased the memory of an eel being pulled out from a guy's stomach. The fact that I've got now 13 very happy giant Pikachus dancing and bobbing around. <laughs> 
<laughs> and seeing about eight guys in Secret Service suits just taking one out. If, you know, if only they'd pulled out their weapons and just started shooting, that would have made that video even better. Um, we're done. We're out of here. That's why this news. Haven't you, haven't you missed that segment? Haven't you missed that segment? Oh, we'll have to bring it back more often. Thank you for joining us in that segment. Even though we're not going anywhere, we've got more brink to come after this. Another week, another time to cross the dots and find out what's happening in our favourite neighbour that isn't Papua New Guinea. Of course, I speak of New Zealand. And when you think of New Zealand, you think of two things. You think of sheep and Nick Chester. Nick, welcome back to the brink. Not like in that order together. Like, like they're two separate things, eh? <laughs> well, you and I both entered a sheep in New Zealand. So, um, we did. We did. We uh, we definitely have that in common, but um, I the I people, am intri- do people know what you mean when you say that, or do we need to clarify a little bit? Well, more? of course, we would assume that everybody listening to the show are big fans of the Brink Unleashed, and they of course okay. can watch the Brink Unleashed six new adventures to to see us enter a sheep together, Nick. Uh, so, <laughs> so we don't want to spoil the surprise in case people haven't seen it. And if you haven't seen it, it is now available on youporn dot com. E W E porn. Yes. <laughs> that is the New Zealand porn channel, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Is that, is that YouTube in uh, New Zealand? It's spelled E-W-E-Tube. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. This week on YouTube, man. <laughs> God, it feels good to make sheep jokes. It's been a while since I've done that. I've been too nice in New Zealand recently, I feel. Uh, you, uh, Nicholas, uh, have uh, conducted... An amazing feat on the weekend, at least at the time of recording this. You walked, um, it sounds like, pretty much around New Zealand. Uh, I think you did a 22-kilometre walk, which, I mean, that's about five laps of uh, the North Island, I feel. Uh, how did you go, and what was this for? Um, well, it was for fun, believe it or not. Like Some, some people might not quite believe that, but um, no, I did the uh, the Waitama Trail run, which I walked. I didn't run. Uh, so last year I did it, and we did uh, the 11K version. I thought I'd, I'd up the ante this year and try the, the 22K. And uh, so it took us uh, six and a half hours, I think, to walk 22K. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a pretty massive endurance test for me. For, for, for a lot of people, it would be uh, just a walk in the park. But, uh, yeah, no, I actually felt pretty good afterwards. I didn't feel too hammered or anything like that. But uh, it was lots of walking over over farmlands and, and through some, some native New Zealand bush and, and through a few caves and, and all that kind of stuff. And there was a hell of a lot of mud. So a lot of the time we were kind of sliding down on our ass to get to where we needed to be. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was a really good time. Really enjoyed it. Um, always nice to tick one off the list to say you've done something um, something cool like that. Um, yeah, no, it was awesome. And of course, if you speak to your grandparents, they would tell you the story about I used to walk twenty two kilometres to school back in the day. You have nothing on that. Yeah, um, exactly. There was this was you and I visited this area, I believe, when we were in New Zealand. I mean, again, we joke about the Brink Unleashed Six. If you want to see the adventures of Nick and I uh, traveling through New Zealand, you can see that on that film and also uh, some of our older podcast episodes. Of course, uh, we're, we're talking about it. But this was in the is it the Way Way Tamo Way Camo? I, I forget things, Nick. I'm I'm old. I don't remember these things. What was the name of the place? And this is where all the glowworms were, right? Yeah, yeah, the Waitomo Caves. So you can Waitomo. do tours through there and you kind of go and look at all the, the limestone caves, which are pretty cool, um, and you see the glowworms and that kind of thing. Um, I think you quite enjoyed it. Um, but, yeah, you can you they also do, like, um, this this run, and it was only the second year they've done it. So last year was the inaugural race and uh, did that one. And so, yeah, we, we, we're doing it again for the second year. And, yeah, it was, it was lots of fun. And, uh, you know, I was just thinking, you know, you cross through about six different farms and you cross through the river and, you know, you're covered in, in mud and, 
you know, getting scratches and all that kind of stuff. It was uh, it, it was uh, good training for something. I'm not entirely sure what, but uh, it was well, good training for something. 22 kilometres is, what, halfway to a marathon? You know, you, you're nearly yeah, there. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, the, the next stage up is a 35 k and I wouldn't be able to walk that in a day, you know, that you'd, you'd actually lose the light. You wouldn't be able to walk it. So, I mean, it's definitely something um, to think about for next year is do I want to do I want to really go for it and try and run the, the 35K? I think it's probably a little bit outside my uh, my abilities at, at the moment, but you never know. Give it a go. Well, why not? I say uh, go for it. Exactly. Um, I think that uh, I admire that, Nick. Uh, I used to bushwalk when I was younger, but we used to just do piddly little things. Um I kind of learned all about, you know, bushwalks. Um, you know, I remember Louise's dad was uh, an avid bushwalker, and it's one thing that Tasmania really has going for it. We have plenty of bushwalking trails, and it's sort of a bushwalking mecca. A lot of people who love their bushwalks do come here. But, um, yeah, he used to go on these sort of three-, four-day hikes and always show me the photos, you know, of him, like, traversing cliffs that if he slips, he'll, like, fall, like, 20 metres to his death. But he's just, you know, casually, yeah, yeah, you know, that's just what we do. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Um, so well, you guys have you guys have to worry about the snakes and stuff as well. We don't even have to worry about that. You know, there's nothing out there that's going to try and kill us. That's, I mean, you know, an angry sheep or something like that. But um, yeah, I guess so. it'd have yeah. to be pretty angry. Well, this is the thing. I mean, you're one of only what two countries in the world that don't have snakes. Yeah. Um. So, uh, which is a fascinating thing. I don't know why that doesn't get talked about more. Maybe it's just again, living in Australia, we're just like, ah, eh, snakes. You know, it's just kind of like oxygen. We know they're there and. Well, I guess it's not like oxygen. You probably don't need snakes to survive. But it's it's kind of an interesting thing that somehow New Zealand has escaped the wrath of the snake. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure how we did that. But, um, you know, don't look at me. I didn't do science or anything like that. Well, I did. <laughs> I, I did. I did. But I spent the whole time playing um, playing poker at the back of the classroom. So, yeah, I, I, I still passed. I'm not quite sure how, but only just. <laughs> The New Zealand education system clearly doesn't have that high of a standard when it comes to science. Yeah, I haven't need, I haven't needed to use science too much, so I've gotten away with it so far. I'm not sure you've had to commonly use poker, though. <laughs> no, definitely not. Right, right. It's it's interesting, actually, um, kind of looking. We, 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 we take this segment a bit of fun, you know, get a bit of an update and kind of, you know, want to get a bit of an update on things in New Zealand. And we're going to do this uh, this this tagline sort of quiz we've been doing over the last few weeks. But just quickly, I've Googled New Zealand because we always want to see uh, in terms of the news that's happening. Now, this is actually uh, a story that is is just fresh off the press, including looking at this right now at time recording this 44 minutes ago. Now, you would obviously be aware you're a John Oliver fan and you obviously live in New Zealand, so you obviously were aware of the fact that what Eminem was going to sue your country for uh, using Lose Yourself, I believe, in, a, um, in an ad campaign during your election a few years ago. Uh, but apparently this court case has just started, Nick. Is this is this making big news over there? Because it's, it's making news here in Australia that Eminem, as you would say, according to John Oliver, um, has finally, uh, this is in court now. It's taken two years, three years, but here we go. Eminem versus New Zealand. Well, maybe this is the reason our Prime Minister actually stepped down. Maybe this is what it's all about. We're, we're finally finding out that, uh, yeah, he had to step aside because of this. Now, I don't know. I mean, uh, I haven't heard too much about it. Um but yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously one of those things that um, you know it, it it pops up when it becomes an issue when it goes to court. But I don't think anybody really cares about the outcome. I don't think like you know if if the National Party, who's our our party that's in power at the moment, if they end up being found 
guilty of whatever the hell they've been found guilty of. I don't think anybody's going to change their vote because of it. It's not something like that, I don't think. I think it's it's interesting that they the way they pass it off as Eminem versus New Zealand. I guarantee you Eminem has no fucking idea this is happening. It's his record label that are doing it. Um, and they're saying here that they've, they've had to play it into a court. Nine lawyers in New Zealand... Uh, to sort of, you know, say that this is it. This is the song. The party is saying that it's a sound alike, but I love here the fact that y- this party involved, the National Party, typically is trying to blame Australia. Uh, the party has previously said it purchased a track through an Australian based supplier and does not believe it has infringed copyright. Uh, the National Party wanted a song that was edgy and modern, but showed the party was dependable. Gary Williams, a lawyer for Eminem's music publisher's 8 Mile Style and Martin Affiliated, told the High Court in Wellington he said the music fared better with focus groups than a classical piece. <laughs> so, um, wow. That is... I mean, I, I get I basically learned about this story from John Oliver. Um, and then the fact that apparently here, that back in 2014, which I think is a, sort of the joke behind what Jonathan was saying, that uh, the politician said the song was pretty legal when it came to being used. Uh, I just think I just think this is great for New Zealand because you guys are, are getting in the news internationally. You know, John Oliver talks about you more than he talks about Australia. So um, yeah, you know. I always I always try and find the clips about Australia from John Oliver, and it's it's only that one about the um, about Johnny Depp's dog. Yeah. That's the only one that just to make the news. It is funny though, because I've been rewatching him. Uh, you know, going back and watching the old episodes to catch up, and I just saw that episode. I, I think I'd seen that clip years ago, but I do like the sort of little video that they do where they basically, you know, saying about holding all things Australian hostage or whatever it is. And then it's just kind of like, except for Hugh Jackman, you know, he's like, he's awesome. We like Hugh Jackman. Um, but, uh, yeah, what is, what is he like when he does his jokes referencing countries? And one time he's like, New Zealand, Australia's, fl- oh no, was it New Zealand? Like Australia's Australia or Australia's Florida. I don't know. You, you've seen it more than I have. I know, I know what yeah, I'm saying. It was something like that, and it was pretty funny. I mean, you can't help but laugh at John Oliver. He gets a pass. He's he's allowed to make fun of us. Yeah. I mean, I've just literally seen the dildo episode again. <laughs> when, uh, what is it? got the Hallelujah Chorus people out. The dildo, it's a dildo. Um, there's context there, people. Clearly, the dildo getting thrown at the politician. Is he still a politician in New Zealand, that guy got the dildo thrown at him? Yeah, he's like, I think he's like our finance minister or something. Oh, shit. <laughs> wow. What is it about New Zealand and dicks? I mean, you've got dildos, you've got, tell me this isn't your penis. Um, I mean, are you guys just the hidden dick country or something like that? Yeah, yeah. There's just, there's, there's so much penis action going on here. <laughs> wow, that, that went somewhere. All right, Nick, uh, let's close this out by you giving me some uh, trivia. So, again, just for people who have no idea what this is, we started this a couple of weeks ago. Nick is going to give me some movie taglines, which are on posters of, I hope, famous movies, not like, you know, New Zealand's hidden sleeper hit of 2003. Um, and I've got to try and guess what this movie is. Now, again, I will honestly admit I'm sitting here. I haven't got Google ready to go. I'm not cheating on this. And uh, you, the first week you did it was based off the top 40 grossing films of all time. Last week you kind of just went for the random route. Are you are you going the random route this year? Is there a theme behind these movies this week? No, I think I think I like a random route, so we, we're going to keep going <laughs> along that road. But <laughs> who doesn't, Nick? Who doesn't? <laughs> um, but they will be movies that I think are at least well known. I'm not going to pull out like really abstract, you know, subtitled Albanian documentaries or something like that. <laughs> now, should we? Should, should we just quickly? Should we kind of put some sort of? 
sing in this because I feel like my clues sometimes are like they help me get it. So you generally give me five. I've got to get half. Now, should we maybe like kind of do this like a Who Wants to Be a Millionaire where I only get a certain amount of clues, like a lifeline or something? So maybe am I only allowed to use like clues three times or twice? Like, I mean, you can come up with the rules here, but I feel kind of there needs to be some rules behind this, Nick. Well, I think I think our pass rate is three, so you have to get at least one without help. I think so. You can get two. You can get two clues. I think and two that's clues. It. Okay, that's a good point. All right. So the new rule is I'm allowed two clues, and I guess I can just say, "Can I have a clue?" Um, and we'll go from there. Okay, that, that's fair enough. All right. Hit me with hit me with your first one, baby. Okay. Right. So let's try this one. So this one's tagline is a lively comedy about a guy who isn't. Oh, that's one of these ones that I I, I feel I know. Um, a lively comedy about a guy who isn't. So I'm going to guess that he's not alive because of the lively comment. So a comedy about somebody who's dead. Is it a drop dead Fred? Oh, you're so close. Oh. You're, along the, you're along the right lines. So I'm guessing there's an invisible person or something. I'm going to go for a clue on this one. I feel I'm so close to this one. Okay, so um, yes, th- think of a, a movie with a guy who's dead as the the main character. Um, Beetlejuice. No, 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 no. Um, he's he's. Oh, I, can't, I can't say it without absolutely just giving it away. It's a, it's an it's a late '80s movie. Uh, definitely about a definitely about a, a dead guy. Um, weekend at Bernie's. Yes. Oh, all right. I also feel like I feel like we kind of need to implement that. Maybe I'm allowed to only have like three guesses because otherwise I could be here all day. So okay. should all we right. do the three guesses right. policy per one? And okay, okay. so I use one clue and I'm one. All right, one out of one. All right, good. All right, good clue. Okay. Good clue. All right. All right, okay, Here's, this one should be quite easy, I think. A romantic comedy with zombies. A romantic comedy with zombies. Um, oh, that's like one of those Shaun of the Dead ones, isn't it? Yep, you got it. Shaun you got of the it. Dead, yep. Two, right. two. Cool. Okay, number three. The mission is a man. The mission is a man. Wow, could you be any more vague? I'm Chandler now, apparently. Um, yeah, I'm gonna, need a cl- <laughs> I'm gonna need a clue on that one. I feel. Um, so Spielberg war movie. Ah, oh, Saving Private Ryan. Yes. Ah, all right. I've used my clues though. Okay, I'm out of clues. Yeah. So you get you. You're now just you're now just up against yourself to try and. Um, I want to go perfect. One hundred percent here. The perfect score. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Earth, take a good look. It could be your last. Oh, that's um, is that Mars Attacks? No. Okay. Um, I know that. I know that. I know that. Um, um, uh, Independence Day. No, it's not Independence Day. Yes, oh, it, it is. is Independence Day. It is. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, phew. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, we're at four from four. This is this is going well. Yeah. All right. Okay, last one. Okay, here they grow again. Oh, here they grow again. I'm guessing it's a sequel, perhaps. Um, something about growth. <laughs> 
wow, you're really smart, Ben. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm yeah, I'm gonna have to just go to town on this one, and I'm probably gonna be the most obscure ones in terms. Of, I've got three guesses at this. Um, here they grow again. Um, oh, I don't even know where to begin. Um, fuck it, I don't know. Um, uh, <laughs> this is terrible. Look, I'm just gonna part. I can't even think of a guess off that. Um, yeah, I think I, you've still got a clue. You, you still have a clue if you want to take the clue. I thought I used both. Oh, look, I'll take one. Why not? You're offering me one. Um, so it is an. It, ooh, I was gonna say it's a, it's an '80s horror movie, but it's actually a 1990 horror movie. So yeah. really, I narrow it down there for you. Probably my least knowledgeable genre. Uh, look, uh, Night of the Living Dead. Um, uh, 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 Freddy vs. Jack. Look, yeah, I, I'm really gonna. I don't know a lot on the horror genre, so right. would, yeah. Okay, so I think you're four for five. So it was it was Gremlins two. Ah, okay. Well, there you go. See, I, look, I'm gonna be sadly say I've never seen the Gremlins movies. So yeah, there you go. Caught you out. Yep. Exactly. That's not, that's not bad. I'll take it. Four, four and five. Yeah. I'll, I'll you know. Thank you. Thank you. This is fun. I like it. Well, uh. Do it next week again, and uh, obviously, unless, you know, there's major New Zealand breaking news in terms of, you know, Eminem's invaded New Zealand. Uh, let's be honest, I'm sure he probably could. Um, again, why would he want to? But anyway, uh, we will have you back it's on again next week. the deep with him. He could probably take over the whole country, <laughs> couldn't he? I reckon, you know, it's not that hard. Um, I mean, he'd have guns, surely. I don't. And I think kind of guns are like snakes <laughs> in New Zealand; they don't exist, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll have you on again next week, Nick. Thank you for your time here in the rink. All right, glad to be here. Time to dig into that vault once again for another classic performance. We're going back to the year 2011 local act called the Blue Mosquitoes, who performed a couple of songs, talked about their albums and music and everything else in between in the studio, and they performed one of their songs called Ballad. For a homeless man. This is back from 2011, the Blue Mosquitoes performing live on the brink. To the 
song I feel inside. Sunset in more than forty years. I, I'm kind of tired. Touch it for the other you. I know you've seen a few. I can see it in your eyes. I see it in your eyes. Hey. What's up? That, that shocked me. <laughs> I told you last week that's what I'd be doing. I told you I'd get to the point yeah, where I just but... say your name and here you are. Yeah, but I forgot about that. It was like, whoa, okay. Cool. But you, you were more reactive this week than last week when I kind of just said, I'm not going to say anything except Dakota Leary. You kind of were shocked. This week you actually went, hey. Yeah, because well, I was more prepared than I was last week. Mm, yeah, you're still at the door. You're still at the fucking door. Like, what is going on? Come on, come through the door, Dakota. No, I don't want to. <laughs> Smells in there. Yeah, because of hummus. Is that his smell? Um. Yeah. <laughs> how is how is hummus? I think he's all right. I haven't seen him in a while. Oh, you don't like text? Although he or... might be dead. I don't know. Well, Who knows? I don't think he is. I think I saw him post something on Facebook the other day. So. Oh yeah, cool. But I noticed all that, right. and I've only met Good the guy once. Whereas you're like his, you know, <laughs> boyfriend or something. So, um, you know, cool. Um, just. You know, we randomly talk about shit. That's what we do. It's the Ben and Dakota random shit talk break. Um, I just want to quickly... I really want to actually go out on a limb here and commend you, Mr. Leary, uh, for a job well done during Forget the Lyrics the other week on High Noon. I guess at the time of recording this, it was last week, but at the time this episode's released, it would have been a week and a half ago. But uh, you did well. You did very well on that episode. So I just wanted to just give you a... A little clap because uh, I'm impressed with your growth, you 15 year old, soon to be 18 year old. Stop it, because I'll get I'll get like hot headed and then I'll just like <laughs> because that works for you to do better. Forget the lyrics. Is that what you're implying? Or no, I'll just like I don't know. I'll probably 
try and take over your show or something. Well, you've been saying that since you first, like, popped out of the ground and sat in the since studio. I was 15. Um, well, you're still 15, so... Uh, <laughs> I've always been 15. We established this on air the other day on High Noon, the fact that when yeah. Dim Sims are brought into the studio, you officially become 18, so... Yeah, I've got, like, a weird defect right i was born 15 and i'll only ever be 15 <laughs> no no you were born as a baby you got to 15 but then you just stopped you know you just kind of stopped your growth at 15. sorry i forgot you knew more about my <laughs> biology than i did well i'm a very intelligent man what can i say you've got to be to be in this profession um apparently right. uh, yeah, okay <laughs> you know know everything um you and i are formula one fans we're awesome formula we one is are. a sport do you still talk to that friend remember that time your friend said that formula one wasn't <sighs> sport no, I, she told me that it, was, it wasn't sport, and I unfriended her on Facebook. I can imagine why. Like, let's be honest, she was a bitch. Um, ditch her. Clearly, you did. Good job. Um, I did, yeah. But let's, I just wanted to mention, uh, you know, a bit over a week ago, Valtteri Botas. He won his first ever Grand Prix, Dakota, and you seem quite happy about this. I noticed you were sharing it <sighs> on social media. You're a bit of a, bit of a Valtteri fan, are you? So happy. Ah, oh, I love Valtteri. He's great. Yeah. Um, Mr. Happy, I was hell happy when he moved to Mercedes. Ah, it's great. <laughs> what is it about? What is it about the boat that you like? Oh, I don't know. He's like Kimi Raikkonen, but with a bit more person personality. Oh, like. come on! That's that's a yes. statement. <laughs> oh, he is. He's very cool. I girl. think of Valtteri Bottas, and I'd never think of the word personality. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, right, okay. look, I, I mean, look, I can see what you're trying to say, but I think kind of Kimi Raikkonen has this hidden personality that he, I think he just lives up to this reputation that he's got, and that makes him have this weird personality, whereas Valtteri Bottas is kind of like the Nico Rosberg to Lewis Hamilton in the fact that he he tries to be cooler than he is. The difference between Nico Rosberg and Valtteri Bottas is that Nico Rosberg has a personality and Valtteri Bottas really doesn't. Nah, Nick, it's exactly the opposite. Really? Really? Nico Rosberg's just an idiot. Like, <laughs> I thought you, know you liked like Nico. He... I do, but he's just an idiot. Like, <laughs> I like him, but he's an idiot. <laughs> only, like, he's like, like that guy who, like, yeah, that school who always just kind of, like... Tries a bit hard. Is there being him and, like, <laughs> oh, look at me, I'm, like, that guy. And everyone's like... Who the fuck's that guy? When he comes to school with, like, the brand new iPad, it's like, everyone, look at my iPad, and no one gives a flying shit. Whereas if Lewis yes, Hamilton came with, like, the iPad, everyone's like, oh, dude, you're the coolest in school! Whereas Nico Rosberg's just there. That's what it is. And then Valtteri, Valtteri is just, like, the guy in the background who's just, like... With the iPad, but he doesn't need to show it off to people. He's just like, yeah. I've got an iPad. Who cares? Yeah, and then people go, oh, you've got an iPad. And he goes, yeah, I do. I do have an iPad. <laughs> Hmm. And that's about it. <laughs> my fa- no, my favourite bit of the whole sort of... I mean, look, I'm, I'm joking. I like Valtteri Bottas. I, I'm kind of... I'm not... I don't dislike the guy. I'm glad he won his first Grand Prix. Um, but I, I loved the cool-down room afterwards. And you got the commentators that are all like, oh, yes, and uh, let's now cross to the cool-down room to hear all the drivers talk. And you got sort of uh, Sebastian Vettel there, and it's just dead silence because, you know, Kimi Raikkonen yeah. not going to say anything. Bottas is sort of there. He's just got a bit of a smile on his face. And Sebastian's like, so... This was your first one? <laughs> like, it's just a real, like, awkward conversation when it's like, it's not like you don't like each other, but you've all got those people where it's kind of like, you like them, you know them, 
but you just can't have a conversation by yourself. Like, if you're in a group of friends, sure, you can talk to them. But if it's just you and them, it's a bit awkward. Yeah, but I don't think, like, it's two Finnish people. I don't well, think... Sebastian's not Finnish. He's German. Particularly... I mean... <laughs> Valtteri Bottas is Finnish. Yes, but I'm talking about Kimi Vettel. Reichen I'm talking about Vettel Finnish. and Bottas's conversation. Kimmy's in the chair. Oh, you're chilling. just talking about that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but like, what was Bottas gonna say? <laughs> kind of, yeah. Did you notice? He's just I, the same as. I like the fact that he kind of repeated his same thing three times. We hear him on the radio saying like, "Oh, it took me over eighty times. Took me a bit." Then he says to Sebastian Vettel, "Oh, it took me over eighty times. Took me a bit." Then on the podium, "Oh, it took me over eighty times. It took me a bit." It's like. Yes, we heard the joke the first time, Valtteri. Ha-ha, move on. No, it, it took him over 80 times. It took him a bit. Did so. it? Oh, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, it was a good that. win, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> didn't think so, yeah. He, I mean, to me, Valtteri Bottas is kind of like the awkward kid who, like, nobody pays attention to. And then when he gets a bit of attention, you can kind of see why he's awkward because he's... It's that it's a lack of... And look, it sounds mean by saying lack of personality. That's not always a bad thing. Like, I love Finnish people, you know. Uh, you know, I'm friends. I'm good friends with Mika Polari, president or former president of Ice Hockey Tasmania. You know him too. Like, obviously, you know Mika and uh, he's, you know, Finnish. And the Finns have their own unique, dry sense of speaking to you that is just also really funny the way Finnish people are. And I just... I love the Finns. And it's kind of interesting. I don't think it's... I don't think he has a lack of personality. I just don't think he just he just don't think he likes really talking. It's, it's to kind people. of like if you if you compare a Finnish person to an American person, it's the the complete opposite ends of the spectrum. Like an American could walk in the room and you know just be I don't even know how to you know what I'm everyone knows what I'm talking about with an American. They're they're exuberant people. They're very energetic. Whereas like the Finns, like you know, a Finnish person could walk in the room and just be like. I just want Tatsuloto. This is the happiest I have ever been in my entire life. And that is, like, <laughs> literally them being happy. <laughs> Whereas an American, like, you know, they pull out the fireworks, and like, oh, say, can you see? I want Tatsuloto. Uh, I think, um, I think Bottas actually showed some teeth during... A little bit. A very, very little bit. It's, like, it's interesting seeing his celebrations when he's, like, it's, like, wow, that is, that is a happy fin. Uh, I love the, um, the, um... The champagne spraying, though, like, literally, all, I'm pretty sure he drank the whole bottle. He's finished. That's just water in to In that him. one go. Like, <laughs> and then, like, I'm pretty sure Sebastian gave him half his bottle. Like, <laughs> And he wasn't even drunk. He wasn't even tipsy, you know. <laughs> no, wasn't even drunk. The best bit, too, we can't ignore Putin, you know. It's always fun when Vladimir Putin oh, rocks up. God. Here he comes. Hello, Vlad. Um, and I, I loved, I, was, it, was it Botas who actually was quite funny? When I think um, through the translator or something like that, you know, he says like, oh, all the hotels were booked out in, in Sochi this weekend. And then I think it was Botas is like, looks like you need to build more hotels in Sochi then. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a quick little one line equipped to the president of Russia. So it's got like, uh, why not? That's great. No, well, they don't care who he is. <laughs> Yeah, they're going to invade Finland next week. It's like, you do not insult president. We invade your country. (laughs) No, it's it's good that um, he actually goes to the race. I I agree. I don't think any other world leader does that. Oh, I'm sure the the president of Azerbaijan is there. We just don't know who he is. (laughs) But, I mean, I was thinking about that, actually, because, like, let's compare that to Austin, America. Like, did Obama ever present the trophy? No. Is Trump going to? No. No. So, <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, they wouldn't really want to go to Texas. True, true. That's a, that's a good call. If mm. Bush was still president, you know he would be there. 
but it's... Yeah. I, I mean, wouldn't you love to see that come Austin? He's Donald Trump strolling up and... Oh, dear. Know. Imagine the reaction he'd get from the drivers. He'd be like, oh. This this trophy, this is like the greatest trophy ever. I have never seen a trophy greater than this. I made this trophy. This is the best. This is the greatest of all. Nobody makes trophies better than I do. This is the greatest. <laughs> Oh, that was, I really want to see that. And, like, again, even on our own side of things, where's Malcolm Turnbull presenting Sebastian Vettel the trophy in Melbourne the other week? Where are you, Malcolm? Like, you're not there. And, like, Russia's, like, the biggest country in the one of the biggest countries in it the world. It is the biggest country in the world. And he can still... It's the biggest country in the world. He can still get to the race. Like... I mean, having said that, about 80% of Russia is snow. But it's still the biggest country in the world, so... Yeah, well, we still still have to travel the furthest. So. True, very true. Uh, so, you know, look, it's a weird thing that you can sort of say... And, he, and the thing is, too, Dakota, he hasn't missed a single one. He's been there for every one no. of these. Every, every year the Russian one. Grand Prix, this is, what, the fourth year they've had it, um, he yeah. has been there. So, you know, weird moment where we've got to say, props to you, Vladimir Putin. I guess it's either um, he likes doing stuff for his country or... Just nothing ever happens. Or he's maybe he's a Formula One fan. Uh, you know, yeah, so, maybe. Uh, I love I love kind of when you see just um just the, the way I don't think it's noticeable now, but I remember the first year when he sort of walked in the room, how it just got all really like oh shit shit got real. Here's Putin. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like fuck. <laughs> you know, behave yourselves, people. Um, but his his translator seemed way too happy. Like no one's that happy working for Vladimir Putin. Come on. <laughs> No, they love him. In well, they do. The cheer he got they on think the he's a god. He got a bigger cheer yeah. than Botas did. Like if <laughs> yeah, you go they, back and watch does, the footage, yeah. when you hear like them obviously introducing the dignitaries onto the podium, when they introduce Putin, that crowd goes off. Usually, if that was in Australia, everyone would be booing the shit out of Turnbull. Wouldn't they? Because they generally have the Victorian Premier, I think, does at least present the trophy. Yeah, I think. But so. um, and generally, you always hear the boos. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of, yeah, they love him. I mean, I guess it's kind of, yeah. we should really take note that they kind of have to love him. If there was one boo, that person would go missing quite quickly and you would never see them again. So, <laughs> I suppose, yeah, that's a thing. You do not boo so. the president. <laughs> oh, no. Um, I don't know what else. I was going to get angry, but I'm not really going to get angry. I think this is... You were. Yeah, oh, you know. That sucks. Let's have a week off from being angry. There's too much anger in the world, Dakota. Like, you know. Yeah, right. Okay. I think that's it's time to take a step back from the anger. Like, you know, just take a breather, people, all right? Just just calm down with your anger, all right? Just love each other. Everybody yeah. love each other. We're calm. I think we're calm. Yeah, we're good? We're calm? Awesome. Sweet. Yeah, we're calm. Anything else you we're want calm. to talk about, or, or are we done? Uh, oh, oh, I don't have anything to talk about, I guess. Cool. You just want to go through the door and go to bed, it yeah. seems like. <laughs> yeah, I just want to go to bed. To I bed. had a, like... I had a, like a, I took like a sleeping pill, and I was going to warn you that like <laughs> at some point during the episode I may fall asleep halfway through. You know what makes me? <sighs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we should exactly. have really gotten angry this week. All right, well, I'll yeah, let your right. drugs kick in, and uh, I'm sure we'll speak to you next week. Cool. See ya. <laughs> it's time for. Let's 
back. Yeah, I got a bit excited and didn't uh, just sort of do what I did with Dakota and just really get straight into it. Uh, we're going back to the year 2008, a year that we haven't really revisited too much here on uh, the Brink Podcast. And this is one that I'm very surprised we've never brought to you so far across our 24 episodes of the reboot. This is one of my favourite segments of all time. Back in 2008, Pope Benedict was still a thing and he returned to Australia. Well, came to Australia, I shouldn't say returned, came to Australia for the very first time. And uh, we somehow, somehow got an exclusive interview with the guy, sort of. Of sorts. Uh, and I guess this is how it went. I don't really need to say much because you'll, you'll make your mind up in terms of just how this did go right now by listening to it. Kick it from the one time. Your Holiness, Pope Benedict XVI, welcome to the brink. Hello, my son. How are you? Oh, look, I'm blessed to have your company here in the studio today. It's such an honour and a privilege for you to take some time out of your busy schedule. It is an honour for me, Pope Benedict XVI. I'm sorry, the the jet lag is just... It's very bad. That that's okay, Your Holiness. Now, um, first of all, this is your first visit to Australia, I believe. What are your impressions of our country? I love the country. It's so beautiful. The 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 kangaroos, the koalas, the John Howards. So it's very beautiful. The, the John Howards, sir. I've seen four of them so far. You, four of them? Four John Howards? That could have been the same person walking around the same lake. Really? Well, he used to be um, quite a, you know, guest on the show. He used to be here every week. He's a good man. He's good. a good man. He, he, he needs to come to church more, but he's a good man. What about uh, Kevin Rudd, our Prime Minister? He he's a, a lovely man. I, good tea. Good good tea. He he mentioned that you like um he, you like the tea that he presented as yeah. well as the biscuits. Yeah, Kerribilli House it was very good tea. Very good. That's fantastic to it's know. Very good tea. Yes. Now um obviously you're very busy here in Australia at the moment. World Youth Week. Everything along those lines. Have you had a chance to check out the sights of our great country? I went to Luna Park. It was a great place. Did you go on the rides? I went on a roller coaster. And what was that like? Don't wear a hat on a roller coaster. Oh, so you wore your big pontiff hat on there. Yeah, don't wear. Got taken off? We got the, 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 the five-year-old in somewhere in, in Wollongong has a hat now. Oh, that's that's not very good at all. His mother won't give me the hat. Oh, that's no good. You should call him up. I would, but they don't understand German. Oh, okay, fair enough. Is that when you get angry, you can only speak German? I, 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 I am the pop. I don't get angry. Oh, of course you don't. So what happens when you get, you know, I don't know, your football team loses or you, you lose money on a bet? I'm the pop. <laughs> I realise that, sir, Your Holiness. I am the Pop. Okay, then. Do you want to say that again? I am the Pop. Okay, then. Uh, one question I have. Your Pope-mobile is a very nice-looking automobile. Uh, what are you doing to curb greenhouse gas emissions with your Pope-mobile? Is it environmentally It is friendly? a hydrogen, hydrogen hybrid car. It's, it's, it's a good... It, I believe that, the, that we should take care of the, the world that God has gave us, and, uh, and it's a pretty earth. I love it. It's one. Of the, it's in my top one. I heard a rumor that it is um, the petrol that is actually run on is the faith of your believers. Is that true? That is correct. And how does that work? When people admit faith, they admit hydrogen. So when they lose faith, that you kind of pull up to a no, standstill. No, 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 no. When they lose faith, they emit methane, and that helps. Oh, okay. It just pollutes the earth at the same time. Exactly. Now, um, what big mess on Sunday? World Youth Day, huge. Five hundred thousand people expected at Randwick Racecourse. You know, millions of people watching yes. around the world. Do you get nervous? I'm the pop. Yeah, I get that, sir, Your Holiness. But surely you get nervous. You get the butterflies in the stomach. I'm the pop. So you just sort of, I don't know, just tap yourself on the nose and be like, don't be nervous? I'm the pop. Okay, then. Uh, final question for you, Your Holiness. Uh, will you be back to Australia? And do you give your blessing for the Hobart 2020 Olympic bid? I give my blessing for the 2020 Olympic bid. And I also say I'll be back to Australia. 
in the 2020 to compete in the pole vault. In the pole vault. So you actually be competing in the Olympics. I will compete in the Olympics because I'm the pop. And you'll represent Vatican City? Yes. Fantastic. Well, uh, thank you very much for your time here on the show, Your Holiness. Thank you, Ben. It has been an honour. I am the pop. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Well, as he leaves the studio, uh, I think we could probably... I think he wants his easy signalling to me for a bit more of the music. Got to have a bit of a wrap-up there, I think. And I am the pop. <laughs> Lux- oh, goodbye, Ben. Goodbye. <laughs> see, see you, Your Excellency. I am the pop. Okay, then. We know. You're going to have that stuck in your head for the rest of the day, just going around going, I'm the pop, I'm the pop. Uh, yeah, it's been nearly 10 years for me, and I've still got that stuck in my head. So uh, good luck for the rest of the day. It's time to welcome back everybody's former co-host in Mr. Joshua Shoebridge, the man from Marimbula. Josh, welcome back to the brink. Thank you, good sir. How are we today? Oh, look decent. Uh, just plugging along. How about how about yourself? How is uh, the the bigger capital of bigger? <laughs> Veggie mighty. That's what it is. Uh, <laughs> that, it's freaking cold, mate. That's what it is. It's freaking cold. Wow. Oh, we've had to have a fire on in the house in the last four nights. Right. What what is the temperature it's there right stupid. now? Actually, I'm going to Google it. It's apparently six degrees. I've just done it right now. Six degrees, Josh. That's um, that's that's a decent temperature. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is. It, it, it a decent temperature for if you want to have small nuts. That's what it is. <laughs> well, it's seven right now in uh, Hobart, so we're on a very similar temperature page. But it, it's kind of interesting. I don't know so, how it's so been up you, there, but it, you know, it's freaking cold when. Up here is colder than Hobart. <laughs> By one degree, I mean, you know, it's, it's the tiniest amount. But it's, um, I guess it's kind of that point. I, I don't know how the weather's been up there, but it's sort of, you know, typical Hobart weather. We have, like, these cold days. I, I enjoy the cold weather. And then kind of all of a sudden, you know, I'll look at the weather forecast. The next Monday's probably going to be, like, 27 degrees. Like, it's still in that weird little period here in, what are we, May now, where it's like, it's just, it's like, make up your mind, weather. Like, what are you doing this week? Yeah, I know, but, but so, you know, in all fairness, Hobart has the notorious, uh, well, what, I don't know, it's notorious for having six seasons in one day. Mm-hmm. Like, you can go out in the morning wearing four and, a, four and a half layers of clothing an inch thick, and by the time you've made it from your front door down to the letterbox, you need to be in shorts and thongs. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's ridiculous. Up here... Where it's closer to the equator by at least three thousand kilometers, <laughs> and I'm pulling these numbers out of my ass. Yeah, right. well, probably a couple <laughs> hundred kilometers, not necessarily a thousand. But sure, keep going. Yeah, and and what I'm saying is, is we should have some normality in our seasons. <laughs> we don't get any of that at the moment. I don't know what the hell's going. It's like El Nino, or what? It's his fault. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, we'll blame that. Uh, it's apparently, actually, Josh, I've just literally Googled this here. 1,322.6 kilometres. That's how far it is between you and I right now. Yeah. You were clo- I mean, you were a third of the way there, sort of. Uh, so, <laughs> Almost half, mate. Almost half. I mean, 3,000, I think I might have been up near, uh, I don't know, Brisbane, perhaps, or, uh, you know, maybe a bit further down Coffs Harbour or something along those lines. But, um, yeah, I'd probably say Brisbane, I'd say. But who wants to go to Brisbane? That's... Uh, What's that? People who uh, I who like cane toads. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't mind Brisbane. Oh, I, I I don't 
mind the place. I mean, I'm not a New South Welshman, so I have nothing really against Queensland. It's I probably couldn't live there because it's too hot. But uh, look, if I had the opportunity to live there for a nice job, I'd say yes. So, sure. See, I don't know. I've not been there, so I can't comment. You've I never been to Queensland? No. Now is that a, is that a just a a lifestyle choice, <laughs> or is that just a just hasn't happened yet? Uh, well, yeah, I'm not gay, so that's why. <laughs> really, that's, that's, that's what they insane. call the Queensland, isn't it? Land of the Queens. Um, you said it, not me. Sure. Huh? <laughs> well, you know what? You know why the, why why they call their beer four X? That's because they can't spell. Because they can't. That's exactly right. Yeah, come on, that's a, that's an so, old one. <laughs> yeah, but it's a true. The truth never gets old, Ben. Remember that. That well, you know that that is true. I mean, well, I guess the truth that used to be the world is flat. That kind of got a bit old, but. Uh... <laughs> oh, do you know what I think? So funny. There's this guy on Facebook. Like, you see him on Facebook. He's like this ranger with long hair. Um, he, it's, I think he's got like ultra spiritual or something. I think that's what he's. And he takes the piss out of out of all these sorts of things. Like he like he like one of the videos is he's sitting there and he's. Going. Um, this is how how to be a a, um, a a meat eater, and he and it's and the and it's essentially him being a meat eater behaving like a vegan. <laughs> like it's like he's sitting across the table from this girl eating a salad, and she goes, "You're eating my food's food. <laughs> I'm not hungry anymore." <laughs> Do you know there's so much more protein in this meat than there is in that kale you're eating? <laughs> I need. You can I get. I, need to, I think I need to look that up. <laughs> oh, it's, uh, and I have actually totally forgotten why I brought him up. Well, look, why not? <laughs> as if, as if we've ever had context to anything we've ever said on this show, Josh. I mean, come on, now you've been involved in this show for over a decade. You should know that. I know, but you'd think we'd grow up a little bit. Yeah, well, you know, you would think, but. It'll happen one yeah. day. I mean, you're a father. Come on, you can't talk. I mean, I'm I'm still, you know, 30, single, lonely, no kids that I know of. I mean, I've probably got more of an excuse than you do. No, 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 no. I get excited when I know that there's people from the 501st coming down here to Marimbula because I know me and my son can go, all right, let's go get dressed up in Stormtrooper costumes <laughs> too and go and hang out with them. <laughs> so... Well, I, I actually on that note, on that note, Josh, just quickly as well, um, I should mention uh, last week, happy uh, Star Wars Day, may the fourth be with you. Um, happened yes, during the yes. week, so uh, did, did you do much to celebrate on, on May the fourth? Oh no, no, Alex and I have a bit of a ritual. We watch we watch some Clone Wars in the morning while while we're getting ready, because um, Alex Alex had to go to kindy because that was on Thursday, and so we'll have that go on. And then when I get home, because I because often work before everyone else so I pick Alex and Gabriel from kindergarten and come back and I'll and we'll chuck on either Empire or Jedi chill out and not Phantom Menace not Attack of the Clones <laughs> no he's got to get substance it's, he might get um, Rogue One but um, he, he got to get some of the substance. You know, come on, come on, Josh. You know, I mean, I'm, I've already made the joke to you, sort of. You know, you posted your update during the week about how you're proud of Alex saying his first Star Wars quote, and I was disappointed to learn it That's, wasn't. No, 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 it wasn't his first. It oh. wasn't his first. Okay, okay. he's he's what seventeenth or something like that. It wasn't or? his first. I'm correcting his millionth. It's just, but it was the fact that he was just sitting in the room with me. We were chilling out, getting ready for school, and he and he just starts going like he's he's just impressing me, just proud dad, just going yeah, it's my boy. Mm. 
He doesn't. It's not impressive, Josh. Again, it's not impressive until he utters a line. I don't like sand. It's coarse, rough, irritating, and it gets everywhere. You know, I'm going to train him to say that now. Well, look, if they can train Hayden Christensen to say it, I'm sure you can train your son. So, okay, okay, Hayden Christensen's not a bad actor. I know, I know. Come on, you know I'm just being mean. I like Hayden Christensen. Do you know what's even funnier? Both of us enjoyed the prequels. We actually enjoyed them. Yeah, and look, it's 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 just it's just it's one of these go to things. It's like New Zealand. Like you make fun of New Zealand, and I guess kind of since being there, I sort of almost like the place now. But you still make fun of it. Um, well, it's, it's, well, the only thing about New Zealand I, I don't think I could handle is if I ever hooked up with a New Zealand girl. Yeah, oh, I'm the same. Like seriously, Natalie Portman could be New Zealander, and if she spoke, I'd be like, no, just keep your mouth shut. Just no. No, no, uh, no, no. They can speak. <laughs> it's just like they grow up and they get old. Well, most of the time, very women get ten times bigger than men. I, I, I just thought, hang on a minute. I was just about to say, is this is this an unusual thing around the world, Josh? Only New Zealanders grow up and get old, but uh, clearly, I get your point. <laughs> no, no. Well, and, and, and it's not just New Zealand. You got, you got Tonga, Samoa, the Cook Islands, all all these things. Like the only island that's safe, the only island that's safe that you can date anyone from is Fiji, and that's because most of them are Indian and they can fix your computer. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Um, okay you said that i wasn't expecting that but i I was going to mention about the prequels Um, i I don't know if it's uh wow um yeah look i will say um look i i found since the force awakens came out i grew such and more of an appreciation for the prequels and um i think kind of co-host of mine on the Oz Network, Colin, who's, you know, he's up there with you, huge Star Wars fan. He summed it up pretty well one time when we were talking about this, because he's also a defender of the prequels. And he says, if if these movies, if this episode one, two, and three were brand new movies, if, you know, four, five, and six didn't exist, you didn't know anything about Star Wars until episodes one, two, and three, like, you would look at these and think these were amazing. These are great movies. But it's it's just based on the fact that they exist in a world of 4, 5, and 6 and the entire Star Wars canon. And it's it's kind of... Look, I can see many faults with them. I'm not saying they're perfect movies. But it's kind of... It's, it's interesting to think that I remember watching The Force Awakens and just thinking to myself, oh, we're going to get, like, you know, references to the past movies, and, you know, lots of references to 4, 5, and 6. There was just basically no references at all to the, the prequels. And I, I can see why they probably did that, because they really wanted to distance themselves from it. But at the same time, it's like... Every generation has their Star Wars movies they grew up on. You know, our parents had four, five, and six. Ours that we grew up on were the prequels. You know, your sons, it will be these new ones. So, kind of, you and I and, and Colin and all the people sort of our age, I feel we're connected to the prequels in that sense because, you know, these were our childhood. This was our opportunity to experience the joy of Star Wars growing up like our parents did. So, no matter no matter what people say about them, we're always going to have that real emotional connection to episode one, two, and three. Well, that's exactly right. And and you, and my argument, obviously, is if you look at the, the evolution of um, one, two, and three, they were made specifically for our generation. Like, if you look at episode one, Jar Jar Binks, was made for the kids. He wasn't made to please anyone except to in, get the kids in and entertain the kids in the movie theater for two hours. That's all he was. And you can look at it in number, in episode two. We've grown up. What do we want to see? We want to see the clones come in and kick the the Xenos's backsides and Genosis. That was what we want to see. That's why we saw less less Jar Jar. We saw him a little bit at the start. Saw him a little bit at the end. He had a bit of a role, but it wasn't important. 
and then when episode three came out, we were in year eleven when that mm-hmm. came out. Yep. We were old. We wanted to see year twelve. Actually, Josh, year twelve. Hang on, sorry, I was thinking about the year year twelve. Yeah, and and if you think about around that year, it was either the year after. Yeah, I reckon it was the year after. Is when Dark Knight came out, the one the the Batman movie with with Heath Ledger in it, and then and then that was so good because it was so dark and gritty, and that was what we were wanting at that stage so the movies were made specifically for the generation and the mentality of the people there and that's what if you look back again go back back further to the four five six they were made the exact same way if you look at all the movies that came out in 1977 and 1976 you had logan's run you had uh the towering inferno these are all depressing uh this they weren't good the movies and that's and the studios weren't giving them that, that giving the people that they weren't giving those those movies that had the really good things going for them and then star wars comes out it's this movie being made in london 1976 it's getting made and people are going like there were people thinking that was this is just going to be a made for tv movie this is just for kids this is, and then it comes out as the it is the first blockbuster movie the reason why they call it a blockbuster movie is because the line to the cinema took over a block to get there and that's what where the where the word blockbuster comes from and and that's where star wars is the one that did it star wars is the first one that did the credits at the end of the movies star wars is the first that did having a an orchestral score to over nearly 90 percent of the movie there was not there was hardly any points in that movie that didn't have any audio uh, any music on it and and Look at the special effects, the, 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 the scope of the models. They were all – it was all new. It was all groundbreaking, but it was what the public was after. Then you go again, the public grew up a little bit more. You've got the darker empire where the bad guys win. Like That, that never happens. Bad guys never win, but they did in, 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 in empire. And then Return of the Jedi. Again – it's, it twists a little bit. It's 1981, 19, no, 1982. And then you have the, the, the cute and cuddly because that's the kids are getting a bit older. They've, they've had Empire. They've entertained the adults. The adults want to show their kids this. Then you've got the Ewoks. Yeah. And all that. And, and again, and it's, it's an interesting evolution of Star Wars. And at the moment, that the fact that, that Disney is and Lucasfilm are trying to get nostalgia back so if you look at so like if you look at force and rogue one it's all about nostalgia and that get everyone from the prequels back back into star wars and then there's so much more in it for kids and it's very interesting you actually look at the philosophy of, of how the stories are made and for which generation they're for and i think it's really interesting it's it's yeah it's a very good way of explaining it all and I mean, I was excited, at least, I think, in Rogue One that we got, uh, what was it, Mustafa with, uh, with Darth Vader. So, you know, there was a bit, a bit of prequelness in there. You know, we obviously had um, General Organa in there as well. So, um, you know, I, I, I would... It's kind of interesting when people are sort of saying these things about how, you know, oh, will we get, a like, a ghost Hayden Christensen or, you know, will there be these appearances in the in the future ones? And I really hope there is. I, it's kind of a weird thing to kind of hope for when everybody else is like, no, fuck them, bring back this, that, and everything else. Well, but I like well, the fact well, that we have... Well, had... they've all but confirmed that they're going to do a standalone Obi-Wan movie using Ewan McGregor. Well, they've been saying that for a long time, though, haven't they? Is, that, is it finally being confirmed? Or... 
it, it, it wasn't officially announced at Star Wars Celebration, which was two weeks ago, but it was... Um, Ewan McGregor is... His agent had said something... Like, like, there's, like, they won't announce another Star Wars movie until um, the next one's finished. So you, the official announcement for Obi-Wan with Ewan McGregor won't come out until after December. That's right. the official announcement for, by Lucasfilm. But when the fact that he's been walking around with an Obi-Wan haircut, the fact that he's like, he's doing all these things, like it's it just points to it. And that's what happened with Rogue One. They had all these things pointing to Rogue One, and everyone's like, oh, we're going to get the standalone Star Wars movie. We're gonna, but they won't announce it until they're ready. And, and they're very – I've started to notice that Lucasfilm is a lot like Apple. They have a set day when they have a set day when they release a trailer. They have a set way of doing things, and you can you can bank on the days. Like Star Wars Celebration was last week. Oh, sorry, last fortnight. And the panel for the new movie was was on the on on the, on the Friday, and you can guarantee that panel you were going to see a trailer, and at exactly that panel trailer dropped. For, for the new... Did, did you um, like it? Did you like the trailer? I, I think there's so many little things in there. Uh, one of the things that I, I, I took from it, which I, I, I'm wanting to know more about, is that long shot that they've got of Ray practicing lightsaber moves while Luke's looking at it. If you look at the rock on the other side of her, there is this shape so similar to Yoda, just sitting there with his, with his staff, just watching. So I'm interested to see if that is actually a thing or is that just my mind playing tricks? Maybe, maybe, so maybe people... Luke's just created sort of like a Wilson volleyball out of, you know, from Castaway. It's like he's lonely on that rock, so... <laughs> Yoda! Like, Yoda! <laughs> what are we going to do? Yoda! I'm sorry, Yoda! I'm sorry! Like, and that's the thing. Star Wars is, like, with the expanded universe, Legends and... And all the canon stuff. There's just so much you can read into. You get so much you can just go. Oh, they're going to do this thing and do that. And, and with um, the the animated series they got going, got Clone Wars, which which is which has been done and dusted for a number of years. Rebels, which is in their final season this year, and how they're linked and how they're going to be doing another animated uh, show. But the the again the shows are, have got that same sort of when they first start they're very kiddy. But then, like, Rebels has definitely have gone down the real dark sort of a thing where in the last last season, Obi-Wan, like, Darth Maul made a re- research. I don't know if you've ever watched any Clone Wars or, I, no, or I Rebels haven't. or anything I like that. I actually never watched any of the animated Star Wars stuff. It's fantastic. You have to watch it. If you were a Star Wars fan, watch it because you get a better appreciation for Anakin, you get a better appreciation for Obi-Wan, and, you, like, things like, you see how Order um, sixty six got put into the clone troopers. You get to, you see how uh, all these things happen that that made Episode three, where Anakin's mindset was at, what he was thinking. How did Yoda end up speaking to Qui Gon Jinn bef- like in, when he was um, a Force ghost? Uh, how did Anakin feel about being the chosen one? Because that, that was something that was totally skipped over. And it's been the character development of all that. And the other characters like General Grievous, uh, Darth Maul, believe it or not, survived falling down that pit. Being chopped in half. And he comes back. <laughs> yeah, he comes back. 
and he, they actually explain how it happened, right? And how and and how it all turns all all goes out, which is is so good. Um, you find out how the clone troopers were trained. You see a, a group of clone troopers go from cadet all the way through to being what they call arc troopers, which is like their special forces. Um, so, and it's it's six seasons. It's fantastic. Got six seasons of movie and um, and the, what they call the Lost Missions, which are, essentially it was the last part of season six where Yoda um, goes off and searches um, the, this weird spirit world to, to learn how to um, turn into a Force ghost when he dies, which I thought was really interesting. Wow. Look, Josh, we can talk about this for about 13 years, I feel. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we can't oh, no, like, we'll talk about this, we'll talk about that, but look, Star Wars always is a good topic. We should, uh, you know, never never go on and say that we shouldn't talk about it, but um, we need we need to get you on, and we, we keep saying this, but we'll get you obviously involved in the Oz Network when it comes to Star Wars films, because uh, I think you'll probably hunt me down and kill me if uh, we don't do that, but uh, I think we're a little bit away I, from... I think, I think I've proven myself on this. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, it's been a long time since we've... Uh, I was, sorry, I should say it's be a long, little bit away until we get to uh, to those ones. We've just started our, uh, our Spider-Man ones and uh, allowing me a good outlet to rip shit into MJ as a useless bitch. So, um, it's... Oh, <laughs> mate, 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 get me in on that too. I, have, I actually was speaking to someone about that just the other day. And, oh, my goodness. I cannot stand Andrew Garfield. I cannot stand him. Well, he is... N- it's, uh, no, he's not Spider-Man. Well, look, I, I'm definitely Team Tobey Maguire. Uh, I'm with you there. Uh, but uh, it's, it's we've only just done the first film. Download it soon via the Oz Network. Um, but uh, we're doing all five of them in the lead-up to Spider-Man Homecoming. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. But, Josh, always a pleasure. We will have to get you on again sooner rather than later and uh, shoot the shit and uh, hopefully not offend anybody from Fiji anymore. No, no, and and, and, and stay. Another week of the brink means another week of our next guest, former co-host of this show, Mr. Paul Luttrell. Paul, welcome back to the program. Good to be here. Now, it's a big week in Trump land. We've had a bit going on. Uh, we talked a little bit about 100 days last week. That officially came and went uh, throughout the week. And we also had, for Australia... The very first face-to-face meeting between our Prime Minister this week, Malcolm Turnbull, and Donald Trump. And uh, let's just say it was somewhat as awkward as it probably was always going to be. Oh, yeah, for sure. It seemed uh, that Trump had uh, snubbed Turnbull at first, but it was just a bit of a delay. I guess they were celebrating their their pass through uh, their legislation getting passed through the lower house. Um, but, yeah, I guess they, they met and, uh, yep, Trump with his... His Trumpisms. <laughs> um, I love the little awkward little pictures that are going around of, um, you know, both of them in a tuxedo and, uh, you know, Trump just, he just as always, he generally does, looks bored. And then Turnbull just kind of, he does look a little bit nervous, does Malcolm. Uh, I think we kind of talked about this a while ago about how nerve-wracking it must have been to kind of get on that phone. But, um, you know, I mean, for Malcolm, it's kind of... You know, he's obviously had to go over here. He's basically uh, leaving when our budget's about to be announced, and some people weren't necessarily keen on that. But, of course, you know, he's over there for, um, you know, it was a good cause in regards to kind of being over there for the 75th anniversary of the Battle of the Coral Sea on the on the USS Intrepid. But um, clearly, it obviously was always going to go a bit haywire, I think, in terms of something to do with Trump. And this time he was late, and 
the conversation somehow turned to golf, which, you know, clearly Donald Trump is just wanting to play right now, as always. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's a big, he's friends with Greg Norman, so Mm -hmm. it's probably the only Australian that he knows or is aware of (laughs) that exists. Um, So, yeah, of course he's got to drop that in there. But, yeah, uh, Turnbull, I can see why he'd be nervous because Trump is, is very unpredictable and seems to take any, I don't know, disagreement as a personal slight. To him rather than just, you know, politics. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's, he's an unpredictable president. That's I, for sure. I, so I can see. Yeah, their exchange just uh, was just hilarious just in terms of the fact that, you know, he sort of he mentions Greg Norman and he's kind of like, you know, I love Australia. We have a great relationship. It's kind of like, well, really? Do yeah. do, do we? Um, and then it's like he, he mentioned the phone call from the other month. And in typical Donald Trump fashion, what does he say? You guys exaggerated that call. That was an exaggeration. We had a great call. It was fake news. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. All, all in those little condensed dot points that he's just repeated and put into a sentence. He speaks in tweets. Let's be honest. He does, yeah. <laughs> Twitter has taken over him so much that whenever he actually speaks, he is speaking in like 130 characters or less. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but I don't it's... think I've ever heard Donald Trump actually carry out a full sentence. It's it's always kind of just cut off dot points. Mm. You know, one thing, one interesting actually little pictogram I saw during the week from his 100 days in office is they, they compared... Trump's first hundred days in office to to Obama's, to Bush's, and to Clinton's, and um, the you know the previous presidents' their visits to other countries in their first hundred days, and you know Obama I think had been to you know Canada and and I think he might have been somewhere else, and like you know they'd all basically been to Canada and Mexico, and I think Bush or one of them had been to like the Dominican Republic or some other country sort of nearby, but Trump hasn't even left the U.S. in the first hundred days. Now look, I don't know if that's is that a good thing because it's like he's focusing on domestic issues before. For traveling overseas, or is that a bad thing because he's really not going ahead of his way? I mean, how many world leaders have come to America in that amount of time? I'm sure that's probably a record. Yeah, well, I guess it just shows that he's not willing to actually participate and be. He's kind of just, you know, everyone can come to me. It's kind of it's a very mob boss thing to do, I think, rather than actually being showing a little bit of diplomacy and um, I don't know, extending the olive branch. I guess rather, yeah, it just seems like. Um, I don't know. Like he's he's not really trying to go out of his way to, I don't know, maybe see things from other people's perspectives or whatever. Now, within that first hundred days, he sort of spoke about it, and uh, probably the quote of the week, he turned around and said that uh, it's a not as easy as he thought it would be, or it's harder than he thought it would be. Um, <laughs> You know, uh, Blind Freddy and his dog probably could have uh, analysed that one, Mr. Trump. Uh, I mean, that was kind of just a, a bit of a weird thing for him to say, surely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he thinks being the most powerful person on the planet, basically, was going to be easier than being a reality TV show game, <laughs> a, a host of a reality TV show. Mm. Yeah, I don't see that. Um there's a reason why presidents age ridiculous amounts while they're in office. Yes. It's a hard job. It's a very hard gig. You kind of, There's a lot of stress and pressure. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I think you could have just seen. Basically, voters should have thought about this. Donald Trump is not up to handling that. And people, you've got to keep remembering that this guy's what? Is, is he turned 70 this year or is he already 70? Like, he is not... 
he's not young. I'll, I'll just be blunt. He's not young. So, I mean, it's it's really a case of, of if he's, look, lo and behold, and heaven forbid, if he's in there for eight years, I mean, the guy's going to nearly be 80 by the time he leaves the White House. I, I mean, how old was Reagan? He was around a similar age, wasn't he? But Yeah, Reagan was pretty old um, and had some kind of health issues and stuff like that. But Trump... Yeah, he's 70. I think he might be turning 71 this year. Wow. Um, but, yeah, he hasn't lived the healthiest lifestyle either. So... Um, I will give it to him. He doesn't look that old. I mean, that's one positive. I, th- I mean, you might disagree with that. I don't think he looks that old. But um, well, I think the suit covers up a fair bit and he <laughs> has a lot of orange on his face. So <laughs> that probably helps. He's also got that ridiculous kind of wiggy thing on top of his head. It's it's kind of the Beatles effect. It was almost like you put people in suits and with a kind of matching costume and people don't really see the in-between kind of stuff. It's just, it's this uniform. And so it doesn't make you, it seems like you don't age as much. Maybe that's, but, we all need to do that then, perhaps. That's whereas if you, a... put, if you put Donald Trump in a cardigan with a blanket over his knees, I'm sure he would look <laughs> every bit of 80. Some butterscotch lollies, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Bing Crosby going on in the background, sure. Um, you mentioned before about the fact it was delayed because of this uh, legislation passing. Now, this was to do with their health care bill that they've been trying to get through, and it's past the first stage at least. It's still got to go to the uh, the Senate, I believe. But, uh, I mean, this going through, this is pretty much sayonara Obamacare. Yeah, it does look like it's on its way, which is a real shame because it's a terrible piece of legislation. It's covering 20 million less people and, yeah, people with pre-existing conditions basically can be refused, all-out refused, um, yeah, uh, coverage. And on the whole, they will, if not refused, they will be charged a lot lot more anyway than, than everyone else, which is, it seems a little bit unfair to me. I don't, I don't understand when they come up with something like that and, you know, these things get ripped to pieces in the media because, you know, obviously people are going to, the experts are going to really, you know, go over it with a fine-tooth comb and, and find all the, the issues with it. And clearly, as you were saying, you know, it seems to be affecting more people than it's helping. I mean, at what point are they sitting in this room going, this is great, this is fantastic, this is better than Obamacare? I mean, it's clearly been a talking point. It seems rushed and all this sort of stuff that's been mentioned, but I just... Are these? What is wrong with these people if they think this is a good idea? I mean, is it is it is there more to it than perhaps we're seeing? And maybe there are some good things about this that we're just no one's talking about. Well, I think the Republican Party is pretty divided. You've got like the Tea Party Republicans who basically just want to completely strip healthcare. They don't want people to have health coverage. They want people to be able to buy, pay for it themselves. So there's that. Then there's the moderate Republicans who do want um, people to have health coverage, but maybe not have to pay as much for it or in taxes and, and whatever. So there's this kind of, I don't know, compromise that they're having to make within there. But then there's also like identity politics that they have to play. They don't want to seem as, um, you know, like bleeding heart liberals or whatever, but they're trying to also, they're trying to ha- have their cake and eat it too, I guess. Um, and it's it's just turned out to be a, a neither here nor there. It's the, crazy. The piece of legislation. It yeah. is. It is. It is really crazy to kind of think about. I'm, I'm just looking at this picture of Donald Trump and Malcolm Turnbull, kind of like awkwardly staring at the camera, and you know Trump with his general retching, resting bitch face of boredom, 
and Trump's kind of in the background. He looks like a mixture between, like, you know, that awkward smile you're trying to do when you don't want to do something, between nervous, between just, like, I don't even know what to think of it. I mean, it's kind of, I'm sure, you know, these world leaders, they go around, they meet other world leaders, and they've probably got in their office and their retirement, you know, a photo with them. You know, I'm sure, like, Kevin Rudd's going to have a picture with him and Obama and all this sort of stuff in the future in his little den, you know, when he's retired. But I don't know if this is going to be in Malcolm Turnbull's office when he eventually retires. Oh, probably not. But it's it's strange because of just the, the media that Donald Trump kind of creates, he's essentially become the most famous person on earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it creates like a weird dynamic between the two leaders where you've got this person who is definitely like the alpha in the situation because he's just way more newsworthy. Um, so, yeah, it, it would be a kind of daunting and intimidating experience, I guess, for Malcolm Turnbull. And even kind of from a businessman's perspective, because, I mean, you know, Malcolm Turnbull isn't exactly a slouch when it comes to that. He's quite a wealthy man, of course. And, you know, it's, it's almost like Trump can also hold the, like, it's just almost comparison so much between just the countries and everything. Because, you know what, Trump's worth billions, Turnbull's only worth millions. You can almost imagine, like, I'm worth more than you. My money is so much better. You know, exaggeration. You don't have that much money. Fake money. <laughs> yeah, and that that don't underestimate how much that is actually a part of uh, Donald Trump's psyche. I, I reckon he would actually uh, weigh people up based on how much money they've made or or whatever. I I can see that. And it's it's, it's just an interesting thing because I mean for Australia it's it's a big deal to have kind of you know this guy who's worth hundreds of millions of dollars as a prime minister. You know it's always an issue here, but it's kind of yeah. you know Trump would just look down on that and go, oh, hundreds of millions of dollars, I'm worth billions. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's kind of a it's something that people criticize Malcolm Turnbull for, but in the US it's like the complete opposite. It's like if you've made if you're uh rich, you're you know, the most virtuous person on earth. It's kind of they kind of worship capitalism whereas here it's more yeah, you're rich, should you really be yeah. Leading the country, don't you have some kind of bias towards business? Yeah, yeah. It's none uh, of that in the US. It's it's interesting. I, I I long for the day to see if Trump ever comes to Australia and how that will be. Uh, I mean, look, I mean, he's been here before in terms of not when he was a president, but um, it's like I, even just him leaving the country and going to another one. I mean, I can imagine the the protests and the reactions from the countries that he goes to. I mean, I think I think the UK is the first one he's meant to be going. He's he's due there soon, I believe, because they were signing some petition to have him not yeah. show up, but. Uh, yeah, I can imagine that first overseas visit, no matter where it will be, is, is going to be quite uh, quite controversial. Yeah, I can I can see that happening. I think that they're going to have to have a pretty large um, security detail with him as well, which they do with every president. But I can, you know, Trump's a pretty controversial figure. Mm. Well, but it'll be very interesting. I can see him going to Britain first. Yeah, yeah. I think he's probably he's probably thinking the nicest. I mean, I don't think he'll go to Mexico uh, anytime soon. Oh, so definitely. maybe ever. <laughs> so we'll see how that plays out. Uh, always fun, Paul. Thank you. We will talk to you again next week. Yeah, it's been good. <laughs> the part of the show that I absolutely love. That time of the week to play everybody's favourite game show. It's Forget the Lyrics here on the Brink on Edge Radio. Over to the studio. Oh, the lyrics of forgetfulness. Now, uh, once again, we seem to be going the Josh and myself vibe. Back to the year 2012. Bit of a shorter one for you today, but still a memorable one. This was uh, Josh and I singing a duet to the classic Queen song, Another One. Bites the dust. Let's see how that went. 
on the panda. Uh, 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 uh. Eating, 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 eating. Went to the costume shop, looked at all the choices. Saw a panda suit over there. I thought it would go with my voices. I said, hey, are you ready for me? Are you ready to dress up as a panda? Let's rock up down to supermarkets and buy myself a banana. Hey, yeah, uh, uh, eating a banana split. I said, yes, now, put it on some bread. I like it with bread, I like it with bread. Dressed as a panda. Hey, gonna put chocolate on it. Another one eats the banana split. Josh. Here's ice cream and some chocolate. Get some nuts on it too. Getting some chocolate spread is cool. If you like caramel, get some strawberry if you don't like them. Maybe some nuts as well. Get a spoon, maybe puffy spoon. Eat it all. Yeah. Bow, bow, bow. Banana split in a panda suit. Bow, bow, bow. Banana split in a panda suit. <laughs> banana split in a panda suit. Eating a banana split. Eating a banana split. You're going to get that stuck in your head again. Lots of things getting stuck in your head today. Uh, and you can blame Josh because he seems to be the one behind it all. Another week to get our taste of Canadian goodness with the only goodness that comes from Canada. It is Colin Hilding. Welcome back, Colin. We're here to talk about hockey for the fourth or fifth week in a row, and I'm the only good thing to come out of Canada. <laughs> well, I just wanted to make people get excited because, you know, hockey comes from Canada. It's good. We'll talk about Tim Hortons in a second too, which is, I mean, just as soon as I hear those two words together, I, I swear I get an erection. So, um, yeah. it's... <laughs> Most... Most people's reaction to Canada, as far as erections go, do go hockey, Tim Hortons, Colin Hilding. Yeah. So that's appropriate. I was about to say the third one there, but I didn't know how that, you know, our <laughs> level of friendship went with that. So I didn't want to turn completely inappropriate. Uh, I want to, uh, we'll go with hockey first. Why the fuck not? Um, now, at the time of recording this, I, I was so excited two days ago for the greatest comeback of all comebacks that Anaheim came back from 3 nothing down with like three minutes to go to beat Edmonton in double overtime to make it 3-2, going to game six, looking like that they could go forward and not have to go to game seven and choke like they always do, but then they got spanked by Edmonton 7-1. So, <laughs> that, uh... what the hell just happened, Colin? I don't know if you saw any of the game. I know you're going for Edmonton, but... <laughs> yeah, well, I uh, with, with the other game last night... I was watching that and it starts late and, you know, I unfortunately have to wake up at like 530 in the morning most of the time. Um, So it's pretty rare if I can stay up late enough for a lot of these West Coast games. And with uh, I think that was what on a Friday night. So I'm like, okay, I don't really have to wake up early tomorrow. I think I'm okay. And it got to be like 11, 1130. And it was the end of the second period. I'm watching it in bed and Edmonton is up three nothing. And I'm like, it's safe. I'll go to bed. It'll be fine. And I wake up in the morning to see the score four, three and double overtime. I'm like, what did I miss in that third period? <laughs> and I thought it was over at that point. I'm like, you know, they obviously fell apart in this game. There's no chance. And I was ready to watch this game. I recorded it at home, but I was out of the house and I thought, you know, maybe I'll just turn on the game for a few minutes here and just see how it's going. And I checked the score before I decided to log in to watch the game and i saw 7-1 and i'm like well i don't think this one's worth watching either but the entire way home 
I'm thinking to myself, I know if anybody's going to blow it, it's going to be Edmonton because the last time a third period hit them, it didn't go so well. Well, I, I was at the football because we had an AFL game in Hobart on the weekend and I was sort of, you know, monitoring the scores and I'm seeing the 3 nothing. and I think I looked at my phone, there was five minutes to go on the third period, they're still 3 nothing down, I'm just like, oh, fuck, you know, getting all depressed and all this sort of stuff. Then, I, you know, I thought, like, oh, I may as well just check it, you know, and it was literally, I think, then about 30 seconds of the game to go. I've seen 3-2, you know, and I'm like, holy shit! So, like, I've, like, opened up, not cared about my data, I'm streaming this sitting in a grand stand in an AFL game uh, to watch the final 30 seconds, see them score. I'm going off in the crowd. Everyone's looking at me going, Ben, the, the ball's in the middle of the field. Why are you cheering? Um, and then, so then this morning on the, you're the idiot that doesn't understand the rules yeah I don't understand like, yeah. AFL what's going on but then this morning sort of the opposite because like the games kind of I guess started earlyish morning for me here in Australia and of course I'm I'm checking the Raptors as well thinking oh will the Raptors get swept today side note they did uh, and then I sort of looked at the Ducks score I'm like okay I'll get up and watch the rest of this game and I think at that point they were like 6-1 down I'm like Okay, we won't be watching the rest of that. Let's wait for Game 7 on Wednesday. So uh, I'm kind of nervous now, Colin, because, yeah, the Ducks, I think, in the last four years have uh, gone out in a Game 7 at home. So um, I'm really not looking forward to Will it be Wednesday my time? I'm guessing Tuesday night for you guys. Yeah, it's it's me versus you, basically. It's uh, <laughs> the last great hope for Canada and I guess one of our all-time favorite teams here in Canada. Every child of the 80s uh, favorite team, the Oilers, versus you and your weird love for the Anaheim Ducks because of your weird love for Emilio Estevez. So, <laughs> hey, hey, we're my going love to war for Emilio Estevez is weird. You take that back. <laughs> He's a beautiful man, Colin Hilding. Um. Uh, I don't know if you follow the uh, um, Pittsburgh or Washington series at all, or if you bother I've to watch kept those. Kept a bit of an eye on it, yes. I'm, I'm heavily rooting for the Capitals in this one. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody here was optimistic, or at least Washington fans were optimistic, when Sidney Crosby got, I think, his 13th concussion <laughs> of the season, whatever it is, or his second or third case of the mumps. I don't know. He's either a hypochondriac, <laughs> or he's way too ill to be playing hockey (laughs) he doesn't seem to survive much but uh no he did come back and i thought well when he came back in this most recent game and that was it for washington because washington honestly i i give a lot of the credit in the toronto series to how well toronto played but in all honesty washington has not been playing great and them to come back and to win the last game that was exciting too so uh, maybe crosby's concussion is going to affect them a little bit longer than they thought or uh um, it's 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 looking good, okay for Washington. I'm not going to say good because I'm going to shoot myself in the foot and then they'll be out the next game. But uh, there's still hope for Washington as well. Well, in all the games that sort of heading in before today, all of them were even at three two basically. Um, and now, I mean, congratulations first of all. Let's say Nashville, uh, great job. They're through to their very first conference finals. Um, and look, I'm telling you now, no matter really who wins the the West, I will probably root for them. Uh, I probably will do a U and jump on Edmonton um, if they beat us on, on Wednesday. But I'd be happy to see Nashville there too. I got to see Nashville play this season. So, look, you know, going to always have a bit of a soft spot there. Um, you know, Pittsburgh, eh, it won't go for them. But then I guess I look at the Rangers in Ottawa, uh, the other Canadian team, clearly the one that Canadians care about the least. Um, you love your capital there in uh, in Canada. Uh, my dad obviously very much into the Rangers because that's his team, and I don't mind the Rangers. I don't mind New York, but um, 
you know, it's 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 definitely if, if Washington win, if Pittsburgh get knocked out, I think we talked about this last week. We're, we're going to have teams here that either have never won it before or have not won it in a very long time, and that to me is when I really get involved in any sporting competition, even if my teams are eliminated, because I like to see teams that have never won it before have had a long drought finally come through for some success. Yeah, I mean, if this comes down to Nashville, period, then I think the world is going to be shocked that Nashville <laughs> can win at hockey. Uh, that's the thing that's going to be most exciting to watch. I think more people have been paying attention to who's singing their national anthem at their games, right? It's like, it's Carrie Underwood this week. And then it's, you know, <laughs> so they'll get Keith Urban and Nicole Kibben to probably come. They live there, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do they sing at the Australian football games? Well, I, well, Keith Urban did perform at the uh, the rugby league grand final that I was at last year. Uh, and again, with Keith Urban, Australians love Keith Urban, but we don't know any of his songs. So it's kind of like, <laughs> yay, Keith Urban, let's all sing along to the songs. We have no idea what they are. <laughs> I'm sorry. The greater challenge will be if, if Nicole Kidman ever does join him, does she have the ability to move muscles in her face anymore? That's what I wonder. She's not singing Come What May or, you know, Diamonds Are a Girl's <laughs> Best Friend or something like that. Uh, now, I wanted, Tim Hortons, you mentioned this just as we started recording. Uh, look, for anybody who's listening to this who have no idea what Tim Hortons is, go out and find out what Tim Hortons is because Tim Hortons, I guess you would describe it as Canadian Starbucks, but... You might automatically groan and think, oh, I hate Starbucks. No, Tim Hortons is amazing. I love Starbucks, but I love Tim Hortons more. They have, like, the best coffee products, the best chocolate donuts and just everything. I would have sex with Tim Hortons food. That is how much I love it. Um, But they're they're going to the UK or something now, you were saying. Yeah, they're expanding there. And it's funny because all these articles are saying that there's all the skepticism about whether they could survive there because coffee isn't as popular as tea and i'm like you you walked into tim hortons they sell tea as well it's not like coffee is the only thing they sell (laughs) i mean personally i don't drink coffee at all um i can't eat their donuts i can't eat most of their food uh but it but it is exciting that you know the the biggest coming like if you're going to compare starbucks to tim hortons I don't think that Starbucks in the United States has as much of a stranglehold on the market as Tim Hortons has here. Tim Hortons here in Canada, I think they sell 80% of the coffee in the entire country. Wow. So it's like not even close. And of course, Tim Horton was like a famous hockey player. So uh, all that uh, works in their advantage here in Canada. But I I know it exists in, in America. It's just it's not one of these big things there. You know, certain cities have it. Uh I, I don't know if they've expanded any other countries yet uh, other than America, but the, the people who seem to be skeptical about it in the UK just seem to be focusing on, well, we don't really like coffee here. Okay, then get, as you said, one of their chocolate donuts or their drinks or whatever. I mean, they have lots of chocolate drinks and things like that, fruit smoothies, whatever it is. There's there's more options than just coffee there, so be a little bit more open, all you... <laughs> British UK people. people. What do you call British? Poms. The, we call them poms. The I don't know if that's technically a derogative term now in 2017, but that's the Australian nickname for them is poms. Um, but I don't know what that means. Don't ask me. Don't. Know, I don't know the history, but it's probably the most racist thing <laughs> I've ever said. It probably means uh, something that you don't know and you just, you know, there's some racial slur at everybody in the UK. Um, but, it, yeah, like, I've been to Canada three times. I'm about to go there for a fourth time in a few weeks. And there's generally two things I always do when I go to Canada. It's find out where I can get poutine and find the nearest Tim Hortons. It's just it's just a go-to thing. 
And it's just the first time I ever went to Toronto in a hotel. We had a Tim Hortons in the lobby of our hotel. And I remember we just would go down there at like 11 o'clock at night and just get a hot chocolate. The best hot chocolate I've ever had in my life. Nothing has even topped that hot chocolate. And then even in Calgary, there was one directly opposite my hotel. So like, again, the midnight, hey, I'm just going to go get a, I think I got like a bagel or something like that. Because I mean, bagels aren't even a thing in Australia. I know they're more of an American thing probably, but still I was like, hey, cool, bagels. Um, And it just, yeah, I just get so excited. I see Tim Hortons and I'm like, fuck, it's Tim Hortons. I'm getting some. And there's probably always like a lineup of about 30 people waiting, I'm guessing, because oh, well, that's the way it is. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And like, um, I just, it's, it's, I'd never actually heard of it, I think, until I went there. And um, I mean, if they're going to the UK, hell, look, you know, if the UK want to try and bring the whole Commonwealth thing back and rule the world, like help out Canada by getting Tim Hortons to spread through, bring it to Australia. I'll, I'll help bring it to Australia. I don't know. I'll put it in my suitcase after I've come back from my trip. So I don't know if I can put a whole store in there, but hey, look, I can try. <laughs> but they sell their products. You can take some back as souvenirs. I never even noticed that. I didn't realize. I was too busy just getting excited. You can it, buy it right right behind the counter. I can't believe you haven't done that. I'm just I'm just too busy staring at stuff. If, if I mean, I don't think they do poutine at, at Tim Hortons. But um, if- no. Well, when you said that, the first thing I thought to myself is like, think about the market they could capture if they did that. Yes, purely. Con- yeah. Do you do you like poutine? Is that like a Canadian thing that Canadians actually like poutine, or is that just one of those things that you know uh, people are always fascinated by, but Canadians actually really hate it? No, I'm, most Canadians do love it. I think I've made it clear on all of our shows. I'm kind of the world's worst Canadian. Um, <laughs> it's it's not something that I dislike, but if I'm gonna ask, if my wife's like, "What do you want me to make?" You know, for your birthday or whatever. I mean, I'll probably have. 50 other foods that come up before I would even think of that. <laughs> and of course, I don't drink coffee as well, so I am the world's worst Canadian. And you you secretly hate hockey. Uh, to you, Wayne yeah. Gretzky's overrated. Uh- <laughs> That's right. And I secretly love Nickelback and Justin Bieber. <laughs> Therefore, I am the world's worst Canadian. <laughs> Wow, I just heard the words, I love Nickelback, in a sentence. Um, I just heard my wife in the background not realizing the sarcasm going, ew! What do you think? Do you think Jamie would leave you quicker if you openly admitted you were a Nickelback or a Madonna fan? Oh, we can ask her. Let me ask Come her. Come on, Jamie, Jamie, this is a question. I want to hear this. This, this, this is going to be the segment of Jamie yelling something in the background. Would you leave me quicker if I was secretly a Madonna fan or a Nickelback fan? It's silent. <laughs> she said Madonna because if I was, she'd be afraid I was actually into Nickelback for other reasons. <laughs> good, a- good answer, good answer, yeah. Jamie. Well done. That that's why Avril Lavigne married him, I think. Um, <laughs> don't know how that was. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Gola, it's always fun. Um, go Ducks this time in a week. I guess we will officially know how much the Ducks the suck in Game Seven. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. and ho- how much Tim Hortons has spread its its coffee on the world. But uh, as always, yeah. uh, thanks, E. All right, E. Haven't brought you a classic interview in some time. Thought we'd bring you one this week. Given it's Eurovision week, and you know we always get excited for Eurovision. And we, back in 2014, spoke to one of the then two co-hosts of the Australian coverage of Eurovision, Mr. Sam Pang, who sadly is not doing the coverage this year with Julia Zemiro. Very disappointed in that. 
But uh, this was a lot of fun chatting to Sam back in the year 2014 about Eurovision and, of course, about Carlton, given he is a Carlton supporter. So uh, let's see how this goes. And just also quickly before we do hear how it goes, if you're a fan of Eurovision, our, one of our sister shows, Eurovision, a podcast we started back in 2015 to talk about Eurovision, took last year off, but it's back. This year we are recording three special episodes for Eurovision 2017. Just search for Eurovision on Facebook and on Google. You will find us and you will be able to hear our episodes. So just thought I would do a shameless plug right there. Right now, though, you're going to hear from Sam Pang from 2014. Sam Pang is one half of the SBS hosting team heading to Copenhagen in Denmark this weekend to cover the 59th Eurovision Song Contest. I spoke to Sam about hosting the event each year and just who his tip is to win the event. Sam, welcome to the Brink and Edge Radio. Oh, thank you for having me, Ben. It's great to be here. Massive pleasure to have you here as well. I think you're probably the first person I've ever spoken to direct from Denmark. Uh, Can I just point that out? And uh, obviously, it's a big... uh, uh, big week for you and uh, Julia hosting uh, Eurovision again, sixth year in a row. Both of you have been involved in. I mean, this is something you must look forward to every year to be able to travel to Europe and cover this event. I do, Ben. I, I do, do really look forward to it. You know, it's not, Eurovision not something that I... Um, it's no big secret. I didn't actually grow up with Eurovision. You know, I mean, it wasn't a big part of my life. Julia, on, on the other hand, you know, uh, followed it closely from... Uh, I think she says from the womb. That's how uh, <laughs> she goes back. But I, uh, yeah, you know, the last six years have been um, they've been wonderful. I, it's, uh, it was quite a, you know, a shock. Uh, and then you get over here, and then you just, uh, you know, I'm a convert. I seriously just uh, look forward to it every year. It's, it really is like a, you know, the definition of a of, a, of an extravaganza. It is. It's an amazing week, and um, you know, all culminates with the, the two semi-finals and the final. And it's just, uh, it's you know. Visually, it's stunning, and uh, being here is a, a privilege. Mm, well, it's something that each year uh, certainly has various amount of talking points around all the acts and and all the songs. I mean, do you go each year into it, Sam, with an open mind, just kind of not knowing what to expect? <laughs> I think you have to, Ben. I think you have to. That was, uh, you know, the first one six years ago was, you know, I didn't know what to expect, and um, you know, as uh, as every year's gone past. Uh, Eurovision throws up something different and um, you know you kind of uh, that's that old expect the unexpected and that's what happens at Eurovision so every year there's just acts that you can't believe you're seeing and you just uh, you just you just uh, enjoy and um, and just uh, embrace everything that's going on and so you know there's the stuff that goes on uh, you know on stage Ben but there's the backstage stuff is you know it's crazy and Hopefully we uh, capture that as best we can, and and um, you know between the two of them, I think it's uh, you know it's not a bad it's not a bad couple of hours on the Friday, Saturday, Sunday night just to sit back and uh, enjoy the madness. Absolutely agree with you, and the, and the coverage on SBS this year is expanding, of course, with the semis and the final that you have mentioned over Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. The Eurovision quiz contest every night on SBS two, SBS radio playing Eurovision songs all week. I mean, with the amount of coverage that no doubt you and Julia are also providing. Uh, behind the scenes and everything. Do you get a chance to, to sleep at all this week, Sam? <laughs> no, well, jet lag hasn't helped, man. <laughs> not that I'm complaining, but that, that's not a great that's not a great start to getting a, uh, a getting a full eight hours sleep or the 14 hours that I'm used to. But, uh, yeah, that, you mentioned all that coverage. That's, uh, I haven't seen the quiz show. Uh, hopefully, because uh, I, I wasn't uh, involved in that, but apparently it was a lot of fun to do. So, that's, you know, that's a, that's a nice warm-up to... Um, if you can't wait for Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I think you know Monday. You know all this week on SBS two. I think there's a quiz with Julia and uh, a host of others. So um, 
you know, if you're re- if you're really into it and you can't wait for Friday, then uh, this this a little quiz every night that um, I think it sounds like a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, not much sleep, mate. But that's all right. It's well worth it. <laughs> I can imagine. I'm learning a lot actually watching the quiz, and I could imagine that uh, Copenhagen buzzing at the moment with Eurovision fever. I mean, how in the short time you've been there have you found the locals? Is everyone excited for Eurovision coming back to Denmark? Yeah, they. I, they, I think they genuinely are. You know, that's not always the case, then. You know, I mean, sometimes you get to. Uh, you get to the the host city and you run into some uh, you know certain people that uh, could take it with a grain of salt. But it seems to be so so far over here. Everyone is just you know they've had. I like that you have a year. They had, the, the host city has a year to get ready for it, uh, Ben. So uh, everyone's ready. The town seems you know quietly buzzing, and uh, there's lots of um, there's lots of billboards. There's lots of uh, you know clubs that are Eurovision themed for the week and. Um, uh, I think that Denmark are going to put on quite a show. It's um, it's it's quite a stunning uh, location that they've put it on. It's, a, it's a, they've, they've kind of reconstructed an old shipping yard. Wow! So there's something new. <laughs> wow! Yeah, very much so. We look forward to uh, <laughs> to seeing that huge uh, Australian connection this yeah. year to very own Jessica Malboy performing on the second semi final. I mean, how much of just a big coup is this? Not just for Jessica, but for Australia as well to to play such a big part in in this event. It's- it's a uh, it's a really good point, uh, Ben. It's a, it's massive, you know. What I mean, for, like you said, we've been coming up for six years, and if you'd said to me on the, that first year way back in Moscow that there'd be an Australian on stage, like you know, back then we were, we would we were lucky to get in. So <laughs> Julia and I were just lucky to get into the venue. So um, it's definitely it's definitely grown. I think you know the interest in Eurovision over the it's just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And now, as you mentioned, can you believe it? On the on the uh, Saturday. Your time, there's Jessica Malboy is part of. Um, so obviously, you know, it's good. It's clear to make. It's good to be clear that you know Australia aren't competing. It's just that during um, during the votes, when the votes are getting counted, they have interval act, of which uh, of which Jessica is going to be on stage uh, performing, and um, it's it's uh, it's massive. It's just it's just like I really actually can't believe that it's um, that it's happening, but um, we can't wait for it. Can't wait to see what a what a you know what a performance she does and um, uh, yeah, like I said, if you told me six years ago that there'd be an Aussie on stage at Eurovision uh, for semi final two, I wouldn't have believed it. Well, it's uh, certainly going to be great. Who knows, Sam? Special entry one year, they might uh, say to us, "Come on, Australia, be part of Europe for a year or something like that." Can you imagine? <laughs> I don't, and then and then after that, hosting it, and then where? I don't know what. I don't know what's next after that. Mm. Then, but, uh, um, yeah, let's uh, we'll see how Jess goes on. Um, uh, in semi-final too, and and then uh, I really, you know, it's um, it's such a, an open book now because uh, from uh, from Julia and I struggling to get into the venue six years ago to just being on stage, it's uh, it's quite a journey. It certainly is, and I think also the fact that it is in Denmark. I mean, we have close ties with Denmark. Tasmania's very own Princess Mary, of course, is a, is a big part over there, Sam. So look, you know, I, I think it's just Denmark loves Australia so much that that's that's where it comes from as well. <laughs> Right, Ben. I think uh, the um, yeah, uh, we've been pretty well well treated over here, and I think that uh, I think the princess has a lot to do with that. But daddy's own. That's, I like that. Yes, very proud. <laughs> very proud of it down here. I'll say that. Now, so many great songs are uh, in this year's contest. Uh, a lot of talking points, as I said, as always. We've got a, we've got a bearded lady, uh, songs about cakes and moustaches. Uh, do, do you have a personal favourite so far that you're really looking forward to uh, to seeing? You mentioned, you mentioned the, the cakes being baked. That's um, <laughs> oh, from memory. This, I'm losing track, but I think that's Latvia. Um, Latvia this year. 
singing the song Cake to Bake. And, yes. you know, that's a powerful message, Ben, you know what I mean? So <laughs> that's, um, there's, there's so many, sometimes songs have layers, you know what I mean? And there's just subtle messages. And uh, I think that one is, you know, it's a catchy tune. I won't deny that, but just, uh, it, it's, you know, from bearded ladies and, you know, I don't know, giants and fire and, and uh, you know, giant drums, every now and then a song as simple as Cake to Bake can, can really steal the show. I mean, that's such a good reminder of, I really, I really have no idea what to expect here. <laughs> well, uh, we, we hope to, uh, you know, see that come out on top. I mean, do you, do you have a, a tip that you think will win? I mean, I'm hearing a lot of the bookies are saying someone like Armenia might be on top or the Ukraine's in with a good shot. I mean, do you have a, have a tip who you think is going to win? Uh, it's a good point. to The, book, the bookies, um, <laughs> as in life, somehow uh, seem to get, uh, they're pretty close most years. So if Armenia, as you said, they seem to be the... Um, the favourite at the moment, but yeah, I'm, I, Ukraine uh, with their song TikTok is a little bit of a, a little bit of a dark horse and a favourite. So um, you know, every now and then, every now and then during the voting for the fi- on the final, I, I it does uh, I have this dawning realization of what you know, whoever wins, they get to host it, and we could children and I could possibly be off there the next year. So if it's a choice between Armenia and Ukraine, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't, Look, it's you know, tough to I'm choose at the moment. Look, put it this way: I'm not sure I'll ever. I've never been to Armenia. I may not, you know, get there. Mm-hmm. Life's very short. So if, I, if Eurovision takes me to Armenia. I'll be happy with that. You'd be happy with that. Yes, indeed. Uh, And just quickly, before I let you go, Sam, uh, just on a complete side note, I know uh, you're a fellow Carlton fan like myself, Sam. You're a very intelligent man. Uh, I mean, are you going to get a chance to be able to get back or sort of go to a pub somewhere there in uh, in Denmark on on Monday to be able to watch the game against the Saints uh, after the finals all done and dusted? Well, I didn't know you were a Carlton man, Ben. I should should have had a minute's silence at the start of this phone call. Um, We, (laughs) yeah, I'm hoping to get there on Monday by the might be in transit. I might be on the way back, but I don't. I don't ah. I'm walk around. I get home, but um, yeah, it's uh, I don't look. All I'll say, I think, if we beat the Saints, a uh, a top two finish is still not mathematically impossible. You know what I mean? So well, that's the thing. You got to be positive I'm, about these things, Sam. Yes, <laughs> you got to be positive. You got to be positive. So um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a it's a tough year. Very much so. And uh, Stephen Bradbury did it, and uh, Carlton can do it too. We've got to have faith. Uh, now, of course, you can see Sam alongside Julius Miro as part of SBS's coverage of Eurovision happening this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Complete coverage across the three days, and you can find more details sbs.com.au forward slash Eurovision. Sam, massive pleasure having you on the show here, mate, and best of luck this weekend uh, in Denmark, and go Blues! Yes, thanks very much, Ben. I I had a a lot of fun, and um, yeah, thanks for having me, and uh, enjoy Eurovision. It's time to close out another episode of The Brink. Episode 24 is now in the books, and we'll be back, of course, next week, episode 25. And uh, if you missed our announcement during the week, our next Brink Unleashed film called Brink Unleashed 7 Legacy 
is coming your way. We'll be releasing around August. I'm heading off for about seven weeks in about two weeks, uh, but still be doing some show, the episodes of the show, I should say, on the road. So it's not like I'm going anywhere too much that we still can't bring you some fantastic content while I'm out there traveling the globe. But of course, as always, you know, the Brink Unleashed comes along with any traveling. So you'll get to see those adventures along the way. Stay tuned for that. The post looks fantastic. Check it out on our website, which is, of course, our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Brink Radio Show. And uh, of course, on this journey, I will be venturing as part of it to a fundraising event in Ohio, in Cincinnati to be precise. Uh, it's raising funds for JDRF, uh, juvenile diabetes cause, uh, also raising funds for type 1 diabetes research. I will be there uh, attending it with some Survivor contestants and just hanging out having some fun. Lots of coverage. If you're a Survivor fan, you'll be able to check that out via the Oz Network. But uh, please, if you head to that page as well, you'll be able to see links where you can donate to this cause and uh, try and raise $250 in the lead up to this event so any amount will help along the way so please check that out donate for a worthy cause and also check the Oz Network out too we're putting some great content out there with some interviews the uh, interviews also are coming through over on Off the Podium another one of our sister shows if you're an Olympics fan got some great guests that we've had on that show in the last week or so and as I mentioned earlier in this episode Euros Vision as well coming back lots of stuff going on throughout all our different sister shows throughout it and uh, if you're in Hobart and you're tuning into High Noon on Fridays between 12 and 2pm we've got the Premier of Tasmania Will Hodgman on this week so uh, also check out that as well lots coming your way if you like my voice and if you don't like my voice well then maybe you won't like all those other shows but uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes Stitcher if you have missed any episodes you can find all the old episodes there please do rate us and leave us feedback while you're there we very much like to hear your feedback of the program and as always we'll be back next Monday for more exciting Brink content we appreciate your company we appreciate you listening if you're in Italy hello bonjourno if you're in America uh, howdy y'all and if you're in Australia get Day, mate, and thanks for your time. As I always do, close out every single episode of The Brink with thanks for tuning in. Keep sucking those oranges, Hobart, and good night. 